1: I'm sitting on the 8th floor of the Carlton Hotel on Sutter Street in San Francisco on Memorial Day. That's the traffic you hear out there that's going down Sutter Street. It's a beautiful sunny day and it's pretty strange to be in San Francisco. I lived here for three years in the 90s, uh, 92 to 95 And I lived here earlier for briefer periods of time, uh, twice. So I've lived here three different periods of my life, different parts of the city. And um, it's one of probably half a dozen cities around the world where I've got a personal connection. And I walk down the street and I remember, you know, going on a date in that restaurant or working in that building or... You know, I had an apartment in that one or I used to go to a restaurant that's there, but it's not there anymore. And just all these sorts of pieces of your life that you leave behind. And then you can, you know, wander, wander around and notice where they landed years later. It's a strange sensation. Lots of strange sensations about getting older that I didn't anticipate. One that I've noticed recently is having a deeper Resonance with a lot of the art that exists in the world and, and this sounds I know this is going to sound cliched, but I was watching um a documentary about the blues the other day, and you know there the blues is sort of. Silly in some ways because, you know, they're always sort of singing about how sad they are and yet these guys are playing music for a living and, you know, having a great time as far as I can tell. But for some reason, their women are always leaving them and sleeping with their best friends and, you know, they're, they've always got all these problems. But anyway, I was uh, watching this thing and I was... And I felt... It's. I'm I'm hesitating because it sounds so fucking stupid. But I I felt I had a deeper understanding of what they were talking about, just from having been alive longer and having, you know, not that my woman up and left me or slept with my best friend, though. You know, hey, that wouldn't be such a problem. I like my best friend. Why wouldn't she want to sleep with my best friend? Anyway, uh, I felt a deeper resonance. I felt like I got it. I feel like as I get older, I understand where people are coming from more just because I've been around more and experienced more you know similar it's kind of like i don't know when your friend's mother dies you feel terrible for them um but i think if your mother has died you connect to their experience on a deeper level than than you would if your mother hadn't died you know what i mean if you've been there Literally, you've been there. It's not the same place, but it's a similar kind of thing. If you've suffered loss, if you've um, you know, seen the highs and then the lows and then the highs again and then the lows again, which you can only do with years, um, then it gives you a different perspective on highs and lows and the transitions between them. Okay, sorry, that's totally fucking cliched, but it's true, and lots of things in life are both cliched and true, so what are you gonna do? Okay, a couple things I want to tell you about uh, before we get to this episode, which was just recorded a few days ago in the kitchen of world-famous comedian Jake Johansson, who has become uh, a good friend of mine down there in Los Angeles he's one of the people, and there are many, Joe and Duncan, you all know, and, and a lot that you don't know, Tal Ruspoli, who was on the podcast a few times. Uh, he's one of those people who who makes me question whether I should be living in Los Angeles. Man, you know, when I'm in Spain, I love the lifestyle. I love the calm and the happiness and the you know, the the things you've heard me talk about many times if you listen to this podcast. But what I miss is the sort of... I miss the edge. I miss the vitality, the, the intellectual vitality. When I come to the U.S., especially San Francisco and Los Angeles, I'm just... I'm surrounded by these people who are so fucking smart and funny and doing interesting things and full of energy and movement. And... Spain is a little more static. It's a little more subdued, which is what I love about it, right? It just shows how everything's a double-edged sword. I was speaking with a friend about this the other night, how there's not a lot of good um, foreign, you know, Asian food, or just like, there's not good Thai restaurants or, you know, um, Ethiopian food or whatever in Spain. There just isn't much of that. And... There's a little more now than when I first got there 25 years ago. There was nothing then. But um, the reason is that Spanish food's really good. And Spanish people are like, well, why would I go to a Thai restaurant? I, I like Spanish food, you know. Whereas in America, the American food kind of sucks generally. You know, your basic burgers and fries and whatever, it's all right. But it's not what you'd call cuisine. Um, and so there's a huge market for the Thai and the Ethiopian and the this and the that. Um, so it's kind of like, you know, if, you're, if your culture is happy and relaxed and healthy, there's not much need for eccentricity and cutting edge and, you know, uh, deep creativity because things are OK the way they are. That to me is Spain. And then you come to the U.S. and it's like the mainstream culture is completely fucked up and weird and juvenile and, and self-contradictory and brutal to poor people and other vulnerable people and, you know, freaked out about sex. And there's all these problems you heard me griping about over and over again. And yet the very existence of those problems is what fuels the creativity and the uh, the search for answers and the, the 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 hunger for innovation because just hanging out isn't really an option because things kind of suck in a lot of ways so people are looking for answers looking for new ways to do things so there you have it there you have it that pretty much sums up life right you can you can't have it all you're either you're here or you're there. You can't be both places. I remember watching a documentary about an American poet. I think it might have been Merton, who um, lived in Hawaii at the time. And I think he'd lived there most of his life. I may be confusing him with another poet. But in any case, this guy was living in a... A house in the jungle in Hawaii that he had built, you know, years ago, and he'd spent his whole life there, and he was on tour, I think he was in San Francisco, and he's doing an event, and there are all these people there, hundreds of people, you know, and all this adulation, and responding to his work, and loving him, and all that, and the interviewer said, don't you miss this when you're off in your cabin in the woods in Hawaii? And the poet said, yes, yes, when I'm in nature, I miss the city. And when I'm in the city, I miss nature. And he paused and he said, but I miss nature more. So that's it in life. What do you miss more? Because you can't have them both. On that note, let's move along to some news. Um, First of all. We're coming out with this book. I'm working with a misfit press. You may have received an email from me recently. If you haven't and you're interested in knowing what's going on, receiving an occasional email, please sign up. Uh, there's a thing on my my web page. On on, um, if you go to tangentiallyspeaking.com, it'll take you to the podcast section of my webpage And you'll see in, on the right banner a sign up thing. Just put in your name and email. And you'll... Be on the email list. You'll get updates when I'm doing a TV show or, you know, speaking tour or whatever. And the latest news that people are hearing about is this book, Tangentially Reading, which will be excerpts from our favorite episodes of Tangentially Speaking. Um, Not the whole conversation, but I figure we'll feature 20, 25 different um, guests And just the most scintillating, powerful, interesting, moving moments from from those conversations. So it's something that you can give to people as a gift who don't listen to podcasts and wonder why you're spending all this time with headphones or earbuds in your ears. Um, And uh, just thought it was a good way to use some of this material that we've been building up. And, uh, and and get this stuff out into the world uh, through another avenue. So you can sign up there. That'll be coming out probably around the end of this year. Uh, we're looking for people who want to be involved in that. If you'd like to transcribe uh, episodes, if you would like to even just like let us know which episodes you found particularly moving and interesting, you'll get information about where to do that. In fact, you can go directly to tangentiallyreading.com so tangentiallyspeaking.com takes you to my website where you can sign up and but you can also go to tangentiallyreading.com you can sign up there and you can also uh, vote for your favorite episodes and all that kind of business interestingly this weekend is the 33rd anniversary of my prison experience in fairbanks alaska if you haven't heard of that you can and you're interested you can go to my the same thing tangentiallyspeaking.com and look at toma uh talking out my ass and one of those episodes is about my going to prison in fairbanks alaska for memorial day weekend 1983 yes All right. Now, what else? There was something I wanted to tell you about two things. One was Mandy. Uh, Mandy was a guest on the podcast um, a while back. She's a very interesting woman. And she and her buddy Baron Vaughn, who was also a guest on the podcast, went and um, did a retreat in Mexico. Involving ayahuasca. And Mandy has a a very serious neurological, I think it's an autoimmune condition. I don't remember exactly what it's called, but you can, if you're interested, you can go to the archives and find her episode and um, hear her story, which is fascinating. Um, Anyway, she's doing, she and Baron are doing a series of podcasts about their experience in Mexico with ayahuasca. And uh, I think there are going to be seven episodes in the series, and they've got some of them out already. So you can check them out if you want to listen to that and learn more about ayahuasca and things um, at uh, Philo of Health. So it's, the website is it's Philosophy of Health, but um, if you just go to philoofhealth.org, Uh, you'll see the uh, ayahuasca series retreat with baron vaughn there's a long um she sent me a long link but it's too complicated so just go to philo of health p-h-i-l-o-o-f-h-e-a-l-t-h dot org and you'll find that episode there Okay, and the last bit of news is our good buddy, Colin Cravero, who, uh, I'll tell you what, I'm going to play you out with one of his songs. I I love this guy's music. I love his voice. So beautiful. Um, He's playing with uh, Sale Cassidy, uh, a big show in Victoria, British Columbia. I don't know how many of my listeners are in British Columbia, but... If you're in British Columbia or you're going to be in British Columbia in early June, I hope you'll check him out. Uh, I would, if I were within 100 miles in any direction, I would make it my business to be there for this show. June 11th at the Northern Quarter in Victoria, B.C. He's going to be there. It's going to be a full show. He's an amazing guy. Uh, I've seen videos of some of his performances. And um, Colin is... A true artist in in a shamanic sense uh he doesn't perform music he transmits it he 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 is a vessel through which music passes um and I don't say that to blow smoke up his ass uh in fact um it's it's hard what he does he's he's a little bit out of control in a In a beautiful, crazy, wonderful, creative uh, sense. He really commits. And uh, I would love to experience that with him in person in a show. He played for me in the park when he came down to Portland and we did that podcast episode. If you haven't heard it, definitely check that out. It's one of my favorites sitting there in the park with him playing his guitars and and it's just so so wonderful but um, if you're in Victoria or anywhere near there make sure you check him out June 11th at the Northern Quarter in Victoria BC okay that's all the news thank you all of you uh, for your support uh, through Amazon you know the link you've heard me talk about that fundwhatyoulove.com and patreon.com you can set up an account which uh, funds the podcast. Uh, it's really nice. Since I uh, kicked out all the advertising, broke all that out, um, actually the funding for the podcast increased. That's amazing. That's strange. That's uh, That breaks all the rules. And you guys are the rule breakers. So thank you for doing that. And as always, if you're tight on money, do just ignore me when I talk about this because... Um, I could pay the rent. So I'm lucky at the moment. If I get desperate, I'll let you know. But for the moment, you take care of yourself. Take care of each other. And uh, thanks for listening. Take it easy. moments of my teenage years yeah i was in syracuse new york they were doing this you know i was like 18 or something drinking pina coladas Mm, that's an 18 year old mistake that's an 18 that's a an entry what do they call it like they used to say marijuana is a gateway drug (laughs) pina coladas are a gateway cocktail yeah all of those sugary ones where it feels like you're not drinking a drink yeah (laughs) and then you're ralphing in the bathroom yeah, but I won because I was the only contestant who... Um, the the final song was Foxy Lady, I think, Jimi Hendrix, and I was the only contestant who switched and played left-handed. And the the judges noticed, and they were like, that guy is a scholar of the air guitar. <laughs> wow. Wow. You won. It's sort of on a technicality. I, I prefer to think of it as a... A deeper level of knowledge. It's like if, if, if it had been a Django Reinhardt tune, I would have broken my finger, you know? Do you know about Django Reinhardt? I didn't Reinhardt? know that about his finger. Yeah, that's why his style is so distinctive. He, he was in a fire. He was a gypsy and he lived in a trailer and his trailer caught fire and it burned one of his fingers on his left hand. And so he couldn't do four finger chords anymore. So he does all these three finger chords that nobody had ever done before, and he developed this crazy way of playing that nobody had ever played because of his disability. So it's one of those great stories of like, you know, you know, silk purse out of a pig's ear or whatever the fuck that thing is. Yeah, He made a positive out of a negative In right. other words If, well, he, or if just, he hadn't had the accent he'd just be like a good guitar player He wouldn't be Django fucking Reinhardt I don't know that that's true though
2: Don't you think he would still be great I mean if he was going to be great he would still be great Do you think he would not have worked as hard He would have said look I got all my fingers I
1: can just coach. Well I don't think it's the worst I mean again I'm no, I'm no expert on this But I think that he wouldn't have developed The distinctive style because he could have played Like everyone else Right. So he'd be great Because obviously he was a great guitarist and great artist, but he wouldn't have played a style where, you know, you play a couple of bars of a Django Reinhardt song and you know it's him immediately. Right. That's very hard to do with guitar. Like how many guitarists do you immediately know that's them? Hendrix, Santana, Django? Um, Maybe, well, I think guitar people can
2: recognize the other ones, you know, Eddie Van Halen, people? guitar players, guitar-y, guitar-y guitar people, yeah. guitarists. You think so? That I think quickly? So, I think they can recognize more than just the few that we can recognize because yeah. they have a deeper well, uh, cessation
1: of it. Yeah. But it's hard to have a voice, right, on a guitar because so many people yeah. play guitar and there are only five strings yeah i don 't really
2: I've, i 've purchased several guitars in my life, thinking that that was a thing that I was going to learn how to do yeah. Yeah. and uh, and then now and now now the purchases have gone they 've gotten smaller the guitars have gotten smaller and smaller because the theory is i 'm going to get the guitar that I can take with me on the road and then practice at my hotel meanwhile yeah there's not so now you're like traveling around with a ukulele in your bag i have this tiny electric one now that where the where the tuning pegs are inside the little body of the guitar Uh but even that is big enough that it has to go it won't go in the seat uh, in front of you so you have to put it in the overhead bin Uh it's it's fragile enough that you then are sitting in your seat worrying about what someone else is doing in the overhead bin and so now you're that kind of the anxiety rid- yeah the uptight yeah. person who's then watching
1: Careful what... my guitar's up there. Yeah and yeah. to do that you
2: know yeah. four times or eight times a month if I got to connect to, I just—it's that's already built into my personality to be worrying what other people are doing in the overhead <laughs> compartment on the plane. <laughs> really? and now to have a legitimate reason to do it, like yeah, now now I have to do it. Oh.
1: So I was thinking about this on a plane the other day. Like the number—if you add up all the the little spiel's that we listen to about you know in the unlikely event of a water landing, your seat cushion is a flotation device, and you follow the lights, and you do this, and you put the mm-hmm. mask on your own face, and blah 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 versus how often that actually happens, that's a huge fucking waste of time. I've never been in an emergency water landing. And I doubt I ever will be. But I've listened to hours of that preparatory bullshit about what to do in case of a water landing. It never fucking happens. And if it does happen, I'll tell you what, I'm not going to be going, what did she say about the... You know where where are no, people be in a blind
2: panic. Thing? But there'll be some people who know what to. The reason that they do all those things is because there there are times when something happens and it and then they go back and look at the game footage metaphorically and go, right. "These idiots! If, only if they only them. knew that we made those things float, why didn't we tell them? <laughs> you know? Well, I think everybody gets it at this
1: point." I well, mean, the grown-ups get it, I, but, but there's kids who still don't know how And to, you think those kids are going to go, oh, what, now let me remember what she said there about the uh, finding the nearest exit. And no, they've heard, pull out the information. they've heard it a million
2: times. They've heard it a million times. I think it's bullshit, is what I think. No, I I totally get in your position on this.
1: I think you look at the, the actual threats to us in, in life, and mm-hmm. an emergency water landing is very fucking low on the list of things that could happen. And yet, that's the thing, you you know you don't get a speech every fucking two weeks telling you what to do in case of a bee sting you know you know you know it's like come on let's be realistic here okay I, like oh there's no smoking in the bathroom on an airplane really i, I haven't heard that 500 million times in the last i know but years. as
2: soon as you N- stop telling people there's no smoking on the plane some jackass is going to be up there vaping well
1: how come they're not saying there's no like there's no shitting in the aisle you know well, this is a okay. Right? There the are some things. Flight.
2: There are some things that we know. But but the, 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 now that now they've added the vaping thing to the cigarette yeah. thing, so there is some yeah. new information that's going why? on. Why? That's not smoke. Who gives a fuck if someone's vaping? I don't need to be breathing that. St- it's not good for you. That vapor. No? No, they. I, they're it it more and more. they dissipate t- kind of, into the it dissipates right into your. <laughs> what are the? What do you call avioli Right in your right. inside your. I was going to say aereo but That's oh. a whole different. It Doesn't disappear into well,
1: those. It depends where you blow your smoke. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It does depend where you blow your smoke. That's a good t-shirt. Yeah, I. Uh, I don't know if, if it was on a podcast or what. I was. I, I just got back to Spain recently. Right. Uh, after well, you've been away on a so the last years. since the
2: last time i saw you, you you've been uh trotting,
1: and i have been too by the way this is really funny this is weird that we're because what happened was you know i got to jake's house we sat down we had a couple of bagels made some coffee we're chatting and then jake just sort of very very um almost imperceptibly sets up his little recorder here and and the conversation continues, and yet now there are all these people listening to us. It's, well, it's weird. We're not I mean, in the studio.
2: or No, because know. my wife's not here, so we could just record. But we did discuss the possibility of, of recording. Oh, oh, no, of course. I feel like it's it's not like, like
1: blindsided me. It's just that it was seamless, and so I need to keep reminding myself that, you know, now we have an audience, even though they're invisible. Yeah, they are invisible. It's kind of like that, that Kurt Vonnegut. You ever read... Um, was it uh, what was the one, the Slaughterhouse Five?
2: That's the one where he's he's, he's in the war in Dresden. But he's flashing back and forth. And then time, he's like in time. space yeah. in this in with this. Montana Wildhack. Yeah, he's, exactly. in a, he's a zoo. He's a he's a zoo display of. And
1: there are all beings. these beings watching them, and then they applaud when they have sex and stuff. Mm-hmm. I kind of feel like like that. Like we're in a dome.
2: Well, that's interesting that you say that because I think that that's where we're heading now. And uh, it's just more and more people are recording themselves and yeah. videotaping themselves and sharing it and f- face. Timing and what's the other thing? Uh, Periscope. There's Periscope, and now Facebook has videos too. Did you right. see the thing the other day? The lady in the Chewbacca mask. Everybody saw it.
1: I I didn't really
2: look at it. I it's, saw her
1: sitting in a car, and then I just went. It I'm makes not you. Watch ha-
2: that. I know. I didn't want to watch it either. I heard it on NPR. I heard someone talking about it. This is how you get to me. You got to get them to do a story about it on NPR, and then I think, well, let's see what these jackasses at NPR think is funny. These are just a bunch of stiffs. And then so I like watch Ari Shapiro is your source of. Uh, of- News Is that his name I, I, this yeah. is a, It's troublesome for me they, They've all got speech impediments And so their voices are very different from each other But they've also got, I can't get their names straight Even though they sound, they sound They don't sound like people They don't sound like people that you know They sound like unique
1: individuals, the NPR people Do you get annoyed by people who have three names I'm Corey Flintoff uh, Lifthammer. Like, fuck you Okay, why do you get three names? It's like people with big ass umbrellas. Fuck you. Use a normal sized umbrella. I don't like the three. I don't care what your other name was.
2: I don't mind it if if you need to be if if you're like David. I'm not sure about David Foster Wallace. I'm not See, sure. See, I think that. that's pretentious. Is it because? But is that a hyphenated name? Is, it, is can we blame him for it because it's Foster his middle name, or is it Foster Wallace because his parents weren't really in love and so his wife said, <laughs> "Look, you got to stick my name in there too."
1: Because I only half love you. Yeah. yeah, I might be out of here soon.
2: I need to yeah plant my flag in our child. <laughs>
1: I think it's very pretentious these three named people they're taking up too much space no i get it and that was grumpy you may have
2: no This you're in my first instinct when you were going off on the airplane safety lecture was kind of to try and explain to you why they do that and i I tried a little bit but you were just not having it like no 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 no. i am going to keep telling you my opinion and i'm going to get louder and madder until
1: you agree or you just stop talking yeah so anyway i'm back in spain Mm-hmm. And the mannequins have nipples over there It's something I'd forgotten Do they? Yeah. Mannequins in mannequins Spain have, have nipples. nipples So that that's You ask me why I live in Spain That sums it up right there
2: Well it's a good quality for everyone Really to have nipples But uh, the realistic mannequin I, Although I bet they're not realistic This is the problem with mannequins Well generally some of is- them
1: don't have heads But they do have nipples And they're far more sexualized than American mannequins hmm and uh, yeah, I mean, I was walking down the street in Barcelona, and there was this, you know, window display, and I looked up, and it's like, oh, damn, oh, that she's got a wreck—not only nipples, but erect nipples. Well, yeah, if it you want a somebody to night, buy, yeah. you want somebody to buy the shirt, you gotta <laughs>
2: show it off in its best. Like, if you wear this shirt, look what's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Um, I can't wait for the sexist uh, police, or who you know, everybody's the police now. To get on the mannequin, this—the idea that these mannequins are like this—is so terrible. You yeah. know, sexist and awful. We should have
1: transgender mannequins to be inclusive.
2: How can you tell that they're transgender, though?
1: Oh, they—well, oh, they, well, they have the breasts and a—you know—and a paquete, they have a little bulge down there. Mm. Pre-op. You want a pre-op transgender manic? <laughs> or yeah, it's, it's so confusing.
2: I guess. I be. just feel like this whole. I think that the whole bathroom <laughs> argument was created so that uh, the, the Republicans could say, "Look, we can make this into a big deal," Yeah. and Democrats won't just be able to shut up about it, and we'll have enough fight on it, our hands. It'll distract them yeah. because I. I the solution to this is just hey what about uh, everybody bathrooms what about you just go in the stall and who cares what you got in your pants and you
1: do your business we're not in there to to judge people politically that we're just pooping and the only people who are like turned on in bathrooms are Republican senators I mean that's pretty clear that sex in a bathroom thing I mean you're a good person to talk about this because you wrote a book
2: that has sex in the go to the bathroom have you ever had sex in a bathroom
1: uh, I've had sex in showers, certainly. Not as good. I don't like, think the showers as good as it's made out to be. Well, I think four. a lot of a lot of sex sites are not what they're made. Sex on the beach? Fuck that. Sand? You sand. want sand in your in your twat? Sure. Just have sex on the beach. <laughs> I'm glad that you workshop the title because. <laughs> Do in your twat? <laughs> sorry do you do you have like a are there children in your audience do i need to be well there could be to but be no careful, i feel dude? like people have to take care of themselves yeah in that, you know you, look you got sand in your twat get it out of there flush your twat um <laughs> i just want to keep saying twat now but Twat's
2: a great word i want to google twat washing yeah. Just because I know we're going to wind up in trouble if you do that. But there must be some way to get the sand out. This is not a conversation that two men should be having. This is a conversation that ladies should be having in their own privacy time to you know, share insider knowledge about maintenance of their <laughs> insider undercarriage. Insider knowledge, I like that. Yeah, so no pun yeah.
1: intended. But then- Okay, you got sand in your, what's it called? Your precipice? Is that the... Like the opening of your penis, there's a, I think it's called a precipice. Or, or maybe that's where the foreskin goes over the head of your penis. Are you circumcised? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Yeah, let's get that straight right now. <laughs> yes, I am. Are you? Yeah, yeah. me too. Yeah. yeah, it happened. I didn't have it. I didn't have a choice. It wasn't voluntary. It just happened. Thing. Yeah, and my, and I'm not Jewish. It just was me a either. thing. It was. It's American. It was a you're American. Yeah. Well, that was a thing that was happening then. I think there's less circumcised dudes now. I mean, it was. It's a it's a conversation that you have to have when you're yeah. having a kid yeah. with your spouse. But like, when oh, we, we were born, it was just what those just standard. You no, know, everybody's doing it. Yeah, everybody's doing it.
1: Yeah, and it's. Uh, Interesting when you're with a a Woman who's not from American Culture and they're not used to it There can be some misunderstandings You know like um, (laughs) What is that? That's my penis You treat uh, a circumcised penis differently Than an uncircumcised penis because the uncircumcised penis has all this extra skin on it, so mm-hmm. you can, like, jerk it around and do things without lube that you can't do with an uncircumcised penis. I was with a Spanish woman. The first Spanish woman I was with, um, mm-hmm. she, the first time we were naked together, she said, so great, she said, I've never been with a circus-sized penis before. <laughs> <laughs> Circus size. Circus size. Speaking of which, you know, I won a porn award recently. Yes, I did know that. I'm the reigning best performance, best, yeah, best non-sexual, non-sexual performance. Mm.
2: Congratulations. Yeah, well, think. and you did say though that that w- that was not without its, uh, you know, problems. That the the actual experience of making the porn wasn't as wasn't. Well, you, I didn't do any sex know. scenes. Yeah. Hence the non-sexual performance. I just don't think. Uh, I think there's some point in your life as a man, anyway, where you kind of have a, have this idea that it would be fun to be in a porn as a sex performer. If it, we, you know, if you could just detach that, it's going to be like worse than a tattoo in terms of haunting you for the rest of your life. Right. Um, but the reality, I don't think, would be great.
1: To yeah, I've been there. on the set of several porn movies and sort of experienced
2: that. Weird. Was it weird? It is people having sex. They are really having sex.
1: Yeah. It's really having sex, and it is, I I don't, it doesn't seem weird anymore. It's something I found, well, sort of, once you're in a room where other people are having sex, um, then it doesn't really matter if it's an orgy or just a party that got kind of wild, or a porn set. It's just like, oh, they're, they're fucking. It becomes very... Like you're like you're at the monkey cage at the zoo. It's just like it's not as hot as you think it's going to be. So so there's not it's not a thing where
2: where other people on this crew are having to control themselves or they're getting turned on or anything. Nobody else is getting turned
1: on. No, you're there with lights and there's the sound guy holding the boom and you know the director's sort of you know going okay and you know now can you turn her around and okay and like and okay oh you want me to okay hold on I'll Do that and then it's, it's, so the, it's so the, artists so doing their thing you know right. it's, it's pros it's not like well they're not really into it they're pretending they're
2: into it they're pretending they're, they're acting they're acting you think that they can't act when you watch them do the part where they're not having sex right. and then the sex
1: part is yeah. very convincing yeah. yeah I mean I've only been on two or three sets so maybe there are women who are actually like holy cow going and you know getting nutty you know mm-hmm. but not the ones I saw Yeah. Yeah, I just. And I was on a set actually where the dude had erectile problems. And so there was all this sort of like, poor guy, and you know, let's try this. uh, Well, then then
2: once you get to. Once you get in your head about thinking about yeah. your erection, you're, yeah. you're,
1: you're in trouble. And it was—he was like all apologetic. Oh, I'm really sorry, you know. And it was—it was very, it was very kind of. But I thought, don't they all just take Viagra so they're just they Yeah, they're but all, I guess Viagra doesn't work for everyone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Maybe you build up a tolerance. It could be, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, yeah. So what the hell was a good little little You uh, mentioned
2: nipples, you, and look what happened. Yeah, you were in Areola. You you've been to disband- Spain. Well, you were talking about traveling around, and then the first thing that we needed to talk about was the nipples on the mannequins. Because that's country. on your. It's on your list. Yeah, it's on my list. And then, then the political. When I was saying the political correctness thing, oh, yeah. of the politics of the every the, the controversy about bathrooms, and just I can't even watch the news half the time. The things that they're making out that we're all supposed to weigh in and have an opinion. And then some people are so mad about it that I can't even enter the conversation as a rational person because I feel like, look, I'm
1: I'm just going to get anger unleashed on me. Well, it's not a rational conversation. That's the thing. Like, Irrational people aren't worried about who goes into what bathroom. It's just not an issue. You go to Sweden, nobody's talking about it. Nobody gives a fuck. You couldn't get Spanish people upset about this. They just would. They're like, "What are you talking about? That's ridiculous." There, I, I probably mentioned this in some other conversation. I had this Spanish friend years ago, and we were talking about America, and he said, "Chris, the best thing and the worst thing about your country is that Americans have no sense of the ridiculous."
2: Well, we don't realize that we are being observed. Let's circle back to that whole mm. premise that we're, we're that we're our conversation is on display. We don't realize that we're being observed Americans by the rest of the world right because the United States is so big and a lot of Pop culture and certainly our n- news culture comes from here, but also entertainment culture comes from here. So much of it, yeah. so we're just re-witnessing stuff that we do. Right. And then, I, you know, I was in Australia for this comedy festival, and yeah. everybody there is like, "What's going on? You're going to elect a racist, a, a misogynist Rubatic. reality TV star as your yeah. president?" And I go, "I, I don't know. Like, maybe." Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I know a lot of people who are freaked out about it, but maybe we are going to do it. I don't, I don't know. Yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. We're being observed. It's true. And they're very concerned for us.
2: <laughs> well, that's, that's what I was saying about this conversation, about this recording of the seamless recording of the podcast. I think we're heading down the road to where everybody's recording all of their stuff and splurting it out onto the internet and, yeah. you know, there's not going to be any privacy, but there is going to be privacy because people are only going to be watching, re-watching the things that they did or the people that they, you know, audiences are getting smaller and smaller and smaller until finally you're back down to your friends. It's like, why, why do we need to record this? I'm only right. talking to you.
0: Exactly.
1: <laughs> so you can listen to it later. Yeah, you're the only person who listens <laughs> to my podcast. As I'm talking to you, you're looking at your phone. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're fucked, man. Well, that's, yeah. that's where we're going. That makes me a little bit
2: sad. Where are you going next? Are you? Are when's your book coming out? When's the book coming out? I've got the t-shirt. Later. I've been wearing it in other countries. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of interest a lot of, in the civilized monkey the t-shirt. t-shirt. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. I feel like if it's just a
1: t-shirt, that's great. It's a nice t-shirt. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably coming out early next year. But I need to. Uh, well, what happened was I. So I was writing this book. And, um, you know, there was a proposal and an agreement of what the book was going to be with my publisher. But as I was writing it, I got into uh, an area that, you know you know, when you're, you're doing anything creative like this, you, you things open up that you don't expect, right? You think you know what the path is, but you're halfway down and then suddenly like, oh, what's this? So this is really interesting. And then you start digging and it leads to more and more and more. Well, a book is like a documentary
2: film where you kind of, you know what you want to study, but you don't know what's going to happen
1: until you study it. Right, right. exactly. Things happen. So I was working on it and I got into this, Area of um, you know essentially trying to answer the question of you know if civilization is sort of a net. A negative for most people, which is what I was arguing, um, which is like a very subversive, you know, people think that's an absurd position to take, which is why it's exciting for me to take it, you know, like, okay, mm-hmm. let's, you think that's a ridiculous question, let's actually look at it, because you're gonna find it's not. It's like in comedy, they say, dig a hole and climb out of it, right? So intellectually, right. I like to do the same thing. You know, try to like show something that you think is impossible, like, and then by the end of the book, you're like, fuck, that's kind of true. So I was working on this question of like, what is civilization? Why has it flourished if it's a net loss for most people in terms of quality of life? And that led me into stuff I had never thought about before in terms of systems theory and emergent... Properties of, of sort of how, how higher complexity. Systems emerge out of less complex systems. Yeah, very simple rules can lead to very complex systems.
2: Like fractal stuff. Right, exactly. That's what I was going to say.
1: So that was fascinating to me. And at the time I thought, oh shit, but that's not the book I'm supposed to be writing, right? This wasn't even in the proposal, Mm -hmm. but this shit's really interesting. So fuck it, I'm just going to keep going with this and I'll worry about it later. So I did... And uh, and then I was leaving Portland, so I just had to, like, I was just going to, like, send all this. All, I had 130,000 words, send it to my editor and see what he thinks. So I sent it all off to him, and then he There's got There's a person uh, who will read 130,000 words? That's his job. He's my editor, you know. That's a lot of,
2: well, how long? A That's book a is. a book.
1: That's a book length, yeah.
2: Oh, I thought a book was, like, a, a half of that or less. Well, well anyway, go ahead. Depends Sorry, on I got I mean, logged out. Sex of Dawn
1: was about 110, 115, okay. you know, by the end. So Um, you sent
2: the, you sent it in, you moved. So I sent the the
1: manuscript, I left, I went to, to Mexico and Asia and Africa. And then when I was in Africa, you know, we talked on the phone and basically he said like, look, this is really interesting and it's really well written and these are fascinating ideas, but this isn't the book, you know, that I was expecting this, you know, this isn't what we talked about. It's sort of half of what we talked about. And so we agreed that basically what I had there was the first half of two books, which is true. They mm-hmm, know, like, mm-hmm. And this stuff really is its own book. And it, and I just sort of shoehorned it in because I was passionate about it. So um, now what I'm doing is, as soon as I leave L.A., I'm going to Spain. I've rented a house in the Canary Islands. I'm going to be out in the middle of nowhere. And sounds I'm, That sounds good. Rented a house in the Canary Islands. Yeah, on the, on the slopes of a volcano overlooking the ocean. So uh, I want to come visit you. Oh, it's going to be great! And there's no internet. There's no phone coverage. I'm out.
2: Like you're going uncivilized to write your book about how civilization is ruining
1: us. Exactly. So then I'll you know. So that's you're going to finish the civilized book one, but I've already got half of the next book right. You know, ready and and I'm actually happy that it's working out this way. A because the book that I was supposed to write is interesting, and I, I really do want to write it. It needs to be written. But also I want more time to think about these issues in the next book because it's the kind of thing where if I present it well and I really think it through, I feel like it could be profound. It could, it could really change the way people look at things. The second book. The second book. Uh-huh. If I don't, if, I, if I'm sloppy or don't think it through, I'll just sound like a raving lunatic.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it's a because it's a it's, a it's, a, it's a, well, you're trying to explain a really complex thing by taking right. it down to the simple rules and right. then blowing it back up, exactly. right? So yeah, that's, if you fuck up then you're just like, What it's a mess. Yeah. Yeah. Well we've all taken apart something that we couldn't <laughs> and put you don't back get together.
1: <laughs> to hear, like there are extra pieces left <laughs> yeah. over. Like uh oh. <laughs> oh mm, and it yeah. makes a weird sound when you turn it on. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So that's where I am. So the, the publication's gonna be delayed by a couple of months. It'll come out early next year. Okay, great. Well, I can't –
2: what I'm interested in about – every time I put on the T-shirt and I think about what the book must be about, (laughs) um, what I'm interested in is the thing that I – maybe this is a time of life thing, too, for me. But, you know, you really start to think for yourself about what what does happiness mean and the definitions of happiness that we're sort of being – Preached by by pop culture. The subtext of everything is, you know, get famous, get rich, bigger house, more possessions, take this kind of vacation and do this kind of thing. And really, uh, the things that actually make you happy are the connections, the friendships that you have. And I mean, that was what was great about this trip to Australia to do this Melbourne Comedy Festival for me was to make friends with other people who were doing stand-up comedy and other kinds of stage Humorous performances, based on, based on this artistic vision and idea that they had, and that mm. was their priority. Whereas here, it's like, well, what TV show can you get on, and then how many tickets can you sell? And th- these are the people that are showing up, and you have to make them laugh at the thing that they think. You have to find what you think is funny that they think is funny, as right. opposed to, to to people coming and wanting to see something that you're doing. And so, this idea of being happier as a performer performing for smaller crowds where you can kind of do the thing that you want to do and stop trying to please some audience that isn't there that the idea of living in a more lowering your monthly nut so that you can spend Mm -hmm. more time hanging out with your friends or yeah or traveling just for pleasure, as opposed yeah. to as opposed to work all the time. It, yeah. So, so those are the questions that I was hoping the book was going to answer yeah. like, in terms of like, how, what are we doing now, and how can we change what we're doing now to make
1: ourselves happy? That is you. what the book's about, and that's why I feel like it. it need, I want to write it. You know, I'm not mm-hmm. like I was talking to a friend the other day who's a writer and he was like, dude, just write what you're passionate about. Forget it. Give them their money back from the advance. Just forget that book. I'm like, no, I don't want to forget that book. I want to write that.
2: book." Well, you're you already know? writing what your passion is. You just got yeah. you just kind of it's there was a fork sort of, in the road and you want to take both both forks.
1: Right. Exactly. So I'm going to take this one now and I'll, I'll save that one and that'll be fine. That's but, a Yogi Berra. Take both. When you come to a fork in the road, take it. Take it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Did he? Did he really say all those things? That I, well, triggered? I don't know. I don't know. Like, what was it? there's one I thought of the other day. Like, uh, nobody goes to that restaurant anymore. It's too crowded. It's too crowded. I, yeah. I think he did
2: say that, and that's a pretty great. I mean, yeah. I, there's definitely places I don't go because of
1: that exact yeah. reason. Yeah, yeah. He, there, there is a talent for saying funny things there's like I, my ex has this she's she's spanish french and uh but speaks english very well but she and also casilda who english is her sixth or seventh language they both have the ability i think it's like a subconscious sense of humor they say things that are hilarious that they don't know consciously they saying.
2: Well, or they don't intend they, when they start talking, their intent isn't to express that. But right. I, I think sometimes what it feels like to me when I hear those or when I've said them myself is that there's some you're trying to express an idea in words and then it comes out wrong, but more
1: right. Right. Like, for example, she mentioned in an email because she had been saying this for years, but I didn't know until I saw it spelled out uh, below job below job that makes way more sense than blow job what's a below what? below job oh below job she thought for years that people were talking about giving below jobs <laughs> <laughs> my my wife
2: my wife has a story that she loves to tell about how and then she keeps saying this expression because she thought people were saying mighty wide of you <laughs> She, she not thought, white. yeah. She thought that she thought they meant that's pretty broad-minded, yeah. mighty wide. Mighty <laughs> wide. And so then, <laughs> so she would say she, it in mixed company and stuff. <laughs> she, she didn't realize people were saying mighty white of you. Yeah. And so then. <laughs> Now she's, <laughs> now she's explained it to some people, but not yeah, everyone, and yeah. she'll still say mighty wide of you sometimes, yeah. and it sounds like she's saying mighty wide of you, but yeah. then she doesn't follow up with the story. She just right. says it, and, then and I'm like, like oh, you can't. your wife's a racist. Yeah, that's, yeah. It's, no, you can't be doing that. I heard one the other day, and I think this was on... Uh, you know, we were just talking before we started talking on the thing about uh, Joe Rogan. And I heard on his podcast somebody was, I think I'm pretty positive it was his podcast, but they were talking about a bumper sticker that they saw. It may not have been his, but it, it, the bumper sticker was, Don't believe everything you think.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's pretty solid advice. It is solid advice. My sister was married briefly to a plumber in uh, Boston. Who had a tattoo on his arm? You know the the slogan of New Hampshire, right? That's on all the license. Live free plates. or die. Right. Which, by the way, who makes license plates? Prisoners. Yeah, this is. A, I, I have actually
2: heard a comedian do that exact. He stole it, it from me. Yeah. Well, it, cause it's it. such a. It's it's one of those jokes that's just laying there, it's and then how cruel and unusual. How long does it wait for you to? Yeah. Climb?
1: Yeah. This is wrong. So it's anyway, wrong for prisoners. He's got a day. tattoo that says "Live or Die Free." <laughs> what uh, the fuck does that mean <laughs> that means your tattoo artist was high as shit is what that means well or that you or don't bother free. this is
2: this is the funny thing about people not spell checking or like if you're <laughs> gonna i mean it happens now with autocorrect we had one in our little exchange there was some kind of problem but uh that i had where but but the, you don't spell check or or go like what it's the new hampshire slogan i think it's live live or die free and the guy goes okay i'll just tattoo that on it's like no you, we got to look this yeah. up and, well, make and they're sure. in boston
1: it's not like they're in brazil like you know they're 50 miles away from new mm-hmm. hampshire there's probably a car parked out in front <laughs> exactly. that they could go out and look at exactly. it's like, even if it was pre-internet live or die free man Casilda, we were watching this movie with the Cohen Brothers movie. I think it was Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Where they're in the South and they escape mm-hmm. from prison. And they come up over a hill and there's a Klan rally going on. And she leans over to me. We're in a cinema and she leans over. She says, is that the couscous Klan? <laughs> <laughs> oh, hey.
2: uh, the couscous clan Aren't Klan, our foreign wives funny? They are. Well, the couscous Klan would be such a funny, like, they, axed, they didn't realize that. <laughs> You know, they're in the Middle East. They named it the Couscous Clan. They didn't like,
1: yeah, Tuesdays we get together for you know Northern African
2: food. We had to rename it when we moved to Arkansas. <laughs> well,
1: what the fuck is Ku Klux? What is that? I have no idea what
2: that means. I don't know, but this is a thing that we could. This could. This could be figured out. Um, Okay, through, Google. But, but yeah, we What's have, Ku Klux Klan mean? That's what you do now. That's how yeah. Google does it, right? And yeah. you say, okay, Google to that.
1: Although, see, we've just fucked up people because there are people listening to this in their cars and their phone is sitting on the seat and the phone just heard us say, Okay, Google, and now the phone's like, beep, like, what, what? Is it? A is it, is it? Is there such a thing as a Google phone? What kind of a phone do they uh, have? My phone's a Google phone. It's a Nexus. Oh, really? Yeah. This is a fine, fine instrument. Because right you don't here. get
2: into the Steve Jobs world of things.
1: I've got, I, all my computers are Macs. Well, that's what I like
2: about that, time. about the dead Steve Jobs phone, is that it connects to the dead Steve Jobs iPad right. and the dead Steve Jobs computer, yeah. and so
1: that helps you out. Steve Jobs, now there's a guy... I I, I wrote about this in, in Civilized to Death. This idea, people say, well, he changed the world as if that's always a good thing. He changed the world. What the fuck? Who says changing... Genghis Khan changed the world. Was that a good thing? Hitler changed the world, right? It's not always a good thing to change the world. So the world was pretty good twenty thousand years ago, and that's sort of the thesis of the book. Like we've been changing the world a long time, and now look at it—it's fucking full of garbage and dead coral reefs, and, and like nobody has well, any
2: free time. What happened to yeah. all of these? I thought all these yeah. magic phones and tablets and computers all were going to make life so easy. Everything was going to get easier, but instead, it's just yeah. a way
1: for them to pay you less money, right. and so you have to work harder. This well, is the—if you're lucky enough to have a job. So and that's where the second book is. So the first book is like, you know, or let's find, let's understand prehistory and understand the nature of our species and and, uh, you know, essentially the thesis is we are Destined to live in an artificial environment like a zoo, we are the species that lives in a zoo it has created, right? Mm -hmm. So let's at least live in the San Diego Zoo. Let's live in a zoo where our environment replicates our natural world, right? right? Not the Baghdad Zoo, not the fucking Baghdad Zoo or the Calcutta Zoo, or yeah. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's the first book. The second book is deep on a deeper level, like what the fuck is actually going on here, right? and really the thesis of the second book is that we have been enslaved by an alien intelligence that's why i said it could it could come across as lunacy and I'm not gonna say more about it because I don't want someone else to go out and write the book really quickly
2: I don't think that person is listening to this but <laughs> I'd love to recruit them as a listener so that then I think <laughs> yeah, could, we could, could write talk to, my, we could talk I to pay them to write the book actually
1: <laughs> hey if you're if you are listening to this yeah you, Alien you can make intelligence I'm talking to you
2: well this is this now we're kind of getting into other things that I've I've heard on Joe's podcast that that idea that we're in this we're already in the soup the computer simulation yeah. that we've created for ourselves to be inside you know Mm. and and it does or or that we're evolving into like we're the we're the larval or pupil stages yeah, of a thing right. that's that's a digital thing. Right. You know that they right. just they just squirt some DNA down onto the planet, and they know that that will eventually evolve and build houses and create the internet, and then build yeah. a computer entity and all of the squirt. all of the squishy people. Squirt. Nice word there. All yeah. the squishy people will die, and and then right. the, the singularity, the computer essence thing will
1: shoot its chip essence out into the world so it doesn't matter that that we're trashing the planet because we're leaving it behind we it is leaving the planet behind it's leaving behind and and also we we're not the most important Well,
2: this is my this is the back to the consolation of of that we've already had a moron running the country you know and, and so it's not that big of a deal that we might have a moron running the country the uh, the consolation of what's going on with the environment and you know my wife is so furiously trying to get people to wake up and stop doing what we're doing and and you know dial it back so that human beings can survive well. Human beings aren't the most important thing on the earth, and we're not doing any different than if it was all tigers. They'd be eating each other and devouring each other. They wouldn't put the brakes on like they would. They would just go nuts until tigers couldn't survive anymore, and then the tigers would die. And that's what's gonna. That's what's. This is gonna be self-correcting, but not in a pleasant way for us. You know, in a way that there's so many people that they poison the air, and then a bunch of us die, or we, we're digging up things and creating things that that some killer literal virus or it can be a computer virus or it can be a uh, financial virus that causes a global economic collapse to where a lot of us die off and then the earth can either continue on with less people or continue on with no people and the cockroaches will take over that's uh, do you need more coffee
1: <laughs> can i freshen that up for you <laughs>
2: Oh, man. Yeah, I don't have a good ending for that one. Wow. But that's the beginning of my book. (laughs) I'm trying. Your Your book will be called Fuck to Death. (laughs) It's hard to make make it into a comedy show. I've been trying to think about these ideas and make them into a comedy show. Yeah. It's really tricky to get that. It's
1: tricky. I like how how you framed that as the consolation. But here's the good news. We're all going to be dead. Well, we don't have
2: to do. Well, look, human beings have this problem. A lot of our problem and why we're living our personal lives wrong is that we've kind of lost our our
1: awareness of the fact that we're going to die. Oh, dude, the theme song to my podcast is uh, called uh, Smoke Alarm. And the lyrics are... Hey, baby, what's the big deal? Uh, f- say what you want to say, feel what you're going to feel. No, feel what you're going to feel, say what you're going to say, because you're going to die one day. Yeah, That's the first stand. And the whole song's about, you know... Everyone you've ever known is headed for a headstone. I don't mean to give the end away, but you're going to die one day.
2: The funny thing is, I've probably heard it more times than you, because I oh. am actually a listener of your <laughs> podcast, and so you're the you person who's shooting it out into the world, <laughs>
1: right? Squirting, yeah. I'm squirting,
2: you're it, out squirting it into my the world. Intellectual DNA, yeah. you're ejaculating it into the universe. Yeah, um,
1: no, I think so, you're right. I mean, the, that avoidance of mortality is what civilization is. Actually, I think the entire edifice of Western civilization is a giant distraction from mortality well and and we would we would all be
2: happier in our lives if we had that perspective and say instead of hey going out and trying to earn this much more money i think i'm gonna i'm gonna spend my free time with the people that i love doing something that i actually enjoy or making some art or writing something or recording a conversation at the kitchen table to squirt into the internet (laughs) um but just like we have lost our awareness of our individual mortality, human beings have Zero kind of awareness that look we're part of this other big thing. We're not the most important thing on Earth. Right. We're just the most dominant thing on Earth right now. Yeah. And species come and go and become extinct all the time. And you know we're sad that it's going to be the polar bears or the tigers next. But there's nothing to nothing that says that human beings can't go extinct. Yeah. And maybe that's what's going to happen. I mean nobody. The dinosaurs put up 260. I think it was 260 million years. Right. As the most dominant species on the planet. And we've got what, 100, 120, if you go back to some monkey counting? Um, 120,000, not million. Mm. So our number is pretty small. It's, yeah. it's, if we went extinct in the next 500 years, it would, it would seem pretty fast. But that's totally possible. It happens. Sure. Yeah. You know, maybe our, maybe, maybe, we deserve it. maybe human being. Well, we were asking for it pretty loudly.
1: Yeah. Now I'm going to take a picture of you so that people can, can see just how good looking you are. Uh, Do you, are am I having, because my first, your instinct. eyes are like popping, man. So, and I think it's cool. People listen to the podcast and I'm like, that's the moment he took that picture. <laughs> and then I took the picture. So here it is, this moment right here doom there it is okay okay that'll be up on my website chrisryanphd.com chrisryanphd.com or you can go to tangentiallyspeaking.com so i'm doing a cool thing now uh, with my podcast i what is what are you doing i'm
2: sort of lost a bit with my podcast because i had a great run down in australia and and talked to some people um but then i get back here and if it, it it's hard for me to kind of make the appointments and release the podcast on time and i want yeah. it to be yeah. i want it to be something that's interesting to me and not a job for me so right. i'm always interested to, to hear someone else's
1: yeah i mean doing. i'm running i'm behind i normally release on on monday and today is what thursday and i haven't released one this week yet so i'm but sometimes they come out in rapid succession. Yeah. I try to make up for it, but I'm, I'm doing a thing now where, uh, I got this idea, you know, I have all these great guests on yourself included saying fascinating things and, and, you know, really being sincere and authentic. And, you know, it's, it's, uh, there's all this great content, but, you know, and I have a pretty nice audience. I'm very grateful for the, the audience. I'm lucky in that respect, but most people don't know what the fuck a podcast is, right? And don't oh, have time to listen uh, to it. Absolutely, so well, I feel that's like that's what, it's what a I waste. St- that's what I struggle
2: with all the time because I'm, I'm trying to tell people at the show, "Hey, listen to my podcast." Well, the, the many things like go to my website, subscribe to the email, so that I, so that you can come back because that's the only way we're going to connect with each other. Again. Right. But but the podcast, especially, it's like, hey, if you like me, you would like this. Right. But people hear it and they think it's oh, that's something that other people do. That's and, for and they don't to know how to do it, right? Well, even people. I've tutorial, I've tutorial. I've given people a tutorial. I, yeah, tutored, There is a word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. I've tutored people after after the show at the while I'm trying to sell people a T-shirt or a DVD. I've I've taken their phones and said, "This is how you subscribe to a podcast." Right. Because yeah. you know, they don't even know. So yeah. what are you doing?
1: I'm doing a book. Uh, oh, the book of the podcast. Right. Of excerpts from you know some of my favorite episodes. And so there'll probably be 20, 25 different people featured in the first volume. And uh, if it's successful, then we'll do additional volumes because I'm pushing 200 episodes at this point. Right, right. And uh, so I just felt like... You know what a great way i've got the content it's there uh just get people and and my listeners have a lot of them have volunteered to transcribe episodes Mm -hmm. you know that they particularly like so for them it's fun to get in and listen to it again in detail and um so i'm working with this small publishing company called misfit press we we worked out a deal where they do most of the work and you know the production and the distribution and all that and uh, I really, I sort of oversee it from a distance, but um, they're doing most of the work because I just don't have time to devote to something like that. And, uh, and we'll see, you know, it's something else my mom will sell out of the garage. I, no, actually, they're going to do the distribution, so mom won't have to worry about that. But um, it's a way to... You know, because I think people listen to podcasts and they're like, man, you would love this. And but I mean, I don't listen to podcasts. I don't have time. I don't drive. I don't commute. People have a job where you know, like I, I interviewed a marine biologist a couple of weeks ago, and she listens to lots of podcasts because she's cleaning tanks and setting up right. hoses, and you know, she can do it. It's it's not. Well, that's when I do. That's when
2: I do it. When I'm walking around here, fixing the compost or bin through. or yeah. going to the post office box or whatever. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, so anyway, I thought the book would be a good way to to bring the content to more people and also to further popularize the idea of a podcast.
2: Well, it, because I think it could work the other way as well. People read the book and now they have a taste like, of oh, this and they're, yeah, they're immediately like to curious, to like, oh, I want to I see that. Right. And it's interesting. You, you took that photo, which is what started this all off. Mm. Yeah, I've definitely been listening to podcasts. Well, Joe's podcast where there's a where there's a you can watch it, which. I, I, I don't need to watch three right. hours of him talking right. to another person, but there are those moments in right. the podcast where something happens and yeah. you're like, oh, I think I need to go and I find the video the to be able to see that, yeah. you know? Yeah. And so people are going to be reading the book and, and thinking this, I think I want
1: like to hear to that that this guy talk for an hour. Yeah, because th- it's not going to be a whole conversation, right? It's going to sure. be you know, a few paragraphs or a couple of pages from from select ones. So yeah, you can go and listen to the whole hour and a half or two hours if you really like what this guy's saying, you know? Well, but it, it's an interesting also
2: thing with podcasts because often people who aren't used to them will then try and listen to them and they'll be just like, I, when am I, I can't listen to this for two hours. It needs to be edited down. It's like, no, there's plenty of places where you can yeah. hear edited down, boiled things. This is right. more a Real way that real people talk to Each other right real you know, time Yeah so you feel like you're hanging out a little bit
1: Yeah speaking of Joe I was uh, you know every time I come To LA we get in touch and you know mm-hmm. Maybe I'm gonna go and do a thing with him and whatever So uh, You know I got an email from him yesterday Saying oh dude I'm sorry Because he asked when I was leaving And he's like oh dude I'm sorry I can't do it I'm in I'm in Montana Bear hunting <laughs> <laughs> of course you are yeah. probably like with a
2: knife in his teeth you know <laughs> in one he's got a knife in his teeth and he's texting on his,
1: his smartphone with <laughs> exactly. the other hand that's yeah exactly yeah, yeah. i'm
2: gonna civilize that bear to
0: death
1: he'll <laughs> <laughs> be like wearing a bloody bear skin by the end of the week that dude's hilarious yeah yeah old joe rogan Shout out to Joe Rogan. Shout out, absolutely. Yeah. Have you met him personally?
2: Uh, I met him years ago before any of his current stuff was going on right. at the Comedy Festival in yeah, Aspen. Right, but he was—you know—when you're both headlining comedy clubs, he's the guy who's on the calendar before you or after you. That then you're the guy who runs the club who's I'm friendly with those guys that be telling me oh you know this is this is what he you're going to the gym this is another guy who goes to the gym or, uh, right. or we're having this conversation this remembers yeah. reminds me of another conversation that i had with that guy right so i know i know him from that time yeah you know, that yeah. time of comedy
1: so yeah since i saw you i have been around the world as have you. Did you, you flew L.A. Well, you flew there and back, I guess.
2: Oh Yeah, I've been to Australia and back, and then I've been to the Dominican Republic oh, and that's back. Right. And also, was, so, that was a
1: great picture of you and your wife, you Instagram. You was, guys looked great.
2: It was beautiful. But the Dominican Republic is... So I was talking to someone about this aspect of it because tourism is a big part of their economy, and the way that tourism kind of... They've got it set up there is these resorts that are all on the beach and right next to each other there's hundreds of these resorts and you go and you're on the resort and it it feels like you're in a hotel that could be in Hawaii yeah but it's cheaper because you're in the Dominican Republic but it's luxury like you're in Hawaii but then the food you know you you taught these people who aren't used to going to the kind of restaurant that now you want them to have for you to be in this resort so when you go to the restaurant it's just a little bit different and and then when you go outside of the resort and you see this is the people who are working here at the restaurant like the 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 uniform that they're wearing to wait on your table is probably the nicest clothes that they have right you know this this huge gap between your economic situation and their economic situation kind of to me it 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 affects the experience of being there in a way that it just it was it was for a business thing and so it it wasn't my choice of how i was going to be living a vacation but it it was it was a tough one it was a tough one
1: yeah that's that's sort of an omnipresent conundrum right i mean you know you look at it and you say okay well it's disturbing so what do i do do i not ever go there again that's not helping right because they're happy to see you they want well, they want you that's to spend their your only money. source of income right you know when the tourism if there's an earthquake or something and or a revolution and nobody goes to the dominican republic they're going to be worse off than they are now but
2: but how much of what you're spending is trickling down to the people who are living right. and working there and how much is going to just a few people who and may not even be there yeah that yeah that, cause that's because yeah. that's the that's the tricky thing and and then someone was saying, "Well, it's not as bad as Jamaica, which is nearby." But but it did have that element when you when you're driving from the airport to the resort, and, and then we did leave the resort to go do uh, an activity to go ziplining, you know. Mm-hmm. So you're driving through these towns and when you kind of ask people who who are working you know that are helping you either at the zipline place or at the resort hey is there a good place to go outside of here they all kind of look at you like no you don't want to go you don't want to go out there you know
1: yeah beyond the fence yeah you don't want to go
2: out there like and then you see that at the edge of the edge of the last resort there's a guy with a gun yeah you know to to, to who knows what he's there if he's keeping people out or in or I don't know <laughs> out would be yeah I think yeah. it's out but yeah. they said in Jamaica it's even worse there's yeah. there's fences and yeah. you're you're in that resort for your safety and yeah. I was like man that just doesn't sound like a vacation to me
1: I was in Cape Town recently you ever been to Cape Town
2: no South no I'd like to go I'd like to go to Cape Town I'd like to go to India sometime
1: yeah well Cape Town was interesting. Uh, you know, it's a beautiful city. It's like San Francisco. It's just like a beautiful spot on earth. You know, Rio, it's that kind of landscape and the ocean and the weather. Or well, the geographic, like, yeah. at the bottom of yeah. Africa. I mean, yeah. it's, a pretty it's pretty amazing. pretty cool. Um, but all the houses, all the ha- like suburban middle-class houses have razor wire and alarm systems everywhere, every house. It's like really high security. And uh, like even our uh, Cassie's daughter who lives there, they had an intruder in their house while they were there. They found out, they figured out later that he was in the house while they were getting up. And because the alarm went off and they thought the wind had set it off, So they turned it off and they got up and got ready and went to work. And then they got home and there was all this stuff missing. Mm -hmm. And it's like the guy had come in, was hiding in a bedroom or a closet or something while they got ready. (laughs) <laughs> you know and it was in their house scary stuff. Well, because the income disparity in that,
2: is so exactly. great that right. it's like that's it's worth it to this yeah. guy to climb over this razor right. wire and
1: come in your house just because right. maybe he can get an iPod or right. something. yeah, that's true and they're like they were talking about their roads like the road out to the airport if your car, which goes through the slums like if your car breaks down, you call 911, you lock all your doors, and you hope that the cops get there before the predators. And they were telling us stories about, like, friends of theirs. The car broke down, and, like, you know, and the cops are, like, ready. They know, like, that's a, high, a high-risk thing. So they're on, they're on their way the minute they get the call. But still, these guys are just waiting, you know, and they come out with their guns. And, like, phew, there's no getting away. Do they want to murder
2: you or they just want to take all your stuff?
1: They want money. But the one case they were telling us, the guy didn't have any money. And they pistol whipped him and knocked all his teeth out because he was like, I'm sorry. I just don't. I mean, I've got this like five bucks or whatever. And they were like, ah, smashed him. Yeah, it's well, same thing. We Cassie and I were thinking of living in Brazil years ago because she's a Portuguese doctor. And in Brazil, Portuguese doctors are very sought after, Mm -hmm. you know. And um so we were looking at it like, yeah, we could go there, she could make a lot of money, and we're in Brazil, and Brazil's fun and yeah, sexy and all that. And we talked to some people, some doctors who live there, and they were like, Yeah, you know, you're gonna be living behind a wall with razor wire. Your your every time you go out, your car should be armored. You know, you have to really think about kidnapping. It's a serious consideration. Oh, like, my God. Oh, I don't want to live like that. I don't either. But, you know, the fact is we choose not to engage, but it still exists. You know, it's not like it's not like by not participating somehow we're making it better. We're well, just removing ourselves from the situation. Well, when you would then to go back to the whole
2: civilized to death thing and then to the, you know, belinda was quoting uh, oh god what's his what's his name the guns germs and steel um, jared diamond she was quoting jared diamond worst cause...
1: comb over ever
2: yeah it's tough
1: that people can't
2: th- i think it's because your friends are your friends and they just can't find a way to say to you that looks terrible it's like it's like being michael jackson like he didn't there was no one around him and told him Jay, like hey, can, can, cut can it out can, with your, your numbers,
1: friends man. right yeah can we make it packed That if I ever do something that ridiculous, you'll tell me?
2: What if I just immediately said, I'm glad you asked because... Of Go three things, like right now. Well, not, no, uh, not, not, yeah. Turn, pause
1: this thing and then tell me.
2: <laughs> no, you don't. We'll be right back after Jake humiliates. But me. I mean, that's that's why it doesn't happen because because, because it's,
1: it's you. <laughs> that would be a great moment, great radio moment. Would you tell Would you tell me if, if tell I tell me if my breath stinks? I'm already your breath not, stinks. I'm already
2: not telling you. Okay. <laughs> I've
1: been not telling you for years. Can't you see that?
2: <laughs> <laughs> but so Jared Diamond, worst comb-over-ever, she was talking about him and these, uh, you know, tribes people that he had met in, I think it's Papua New Guinea. Papua right? New Guinea, yeah. And, uh, and the thing that they wanted was pants with pockets in them so that then they could have, you know, they wouldn't have to share with the rest of the tribe because they'd have a place they to could hide put stuff. their... And, and then mm. I was saying, well, you know, we kind of can go, ha ha ha! These primitive people—that's what they want: or pants with pockets so they can hide stuff from it. But what what are we doing? We've got bank accounts. Yeah. We've got we've got all of this. The idea that you can have more than you can carry around is really a modern. Uh, idea of civilization because yeah. the way that it used to work is if you had all this shit and nobody else had anything, they would just come over your wall and take it. And you could put up all the razor wire you want, but if, unless you have the backing of the police and some kind of government behind you, yeah. it's going to sort itself out. Now, I'm not saying that's what we should go back to, but 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 when you think about it that way, the, the solution to all of this has got to be a little bit of sort, some kind of, not maybe not global socialism, but there's got to be some kind of recognition of like we've got a lot and these other people have nothing i mean the reason that we can have our iphones made by children in china is because they're desperate and broke and you know
1: yeah yeah I, i was i did an interview the other day with a guy a really interesting doctor who um does helminth therapy do you know about this Helminth? Helminth, weird word. It's um it's essentially where you intentionally uh get people give people hookworms.
2: Yeah, he I, I, I heard about that on, uh,
1: I think it was on a radio, radio lab or yeah, yeah, they did an r- interesting episode on that. Um, and and yeah. it was to combat some kind of severe autoimmune. autoimmune yeah, 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 the Crohn's disease, MS, multiple sclerosis, asthma, allergies. There's a lot of stuff.
2: Well, I was reading a thing on, online a couple of days ago about... a doctor who or, or a scientist who was who had a theory of allergies that they yeah. were caused by the body's immune system having an overreaction right. based on its its use its way of um, dealing with worms intestinal yeah. worms well, yeah well
1: th- that's the theory underlying the work he's doing so mm-hmm. we were talking about this and you know and he was talking about this this tendency we have to you know identify enemies in this case germs right and and sterilize the environment and how that seemed like a good idea and now it's created all these problems. You know, the immune system evolved over millions of years in the presence of parasites and different things coming at it and you remove all that stuff that's coming at it and then the immune system is like, well, you know, it's like a guard dog and and like it attacks the owners eventually because there's nothing else going on. So that's what the you know it's the the hygiene hypothesis right and well, I, can, I I sort of believe some oh, of that. Well, it, it makes know, perfect it Seems sense. intuitively, it makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I mean, they, you know, in Sex at Dawn, I, I wrote about how uh, in the early 20th century they were putting babies in sterile incubators, and then the babies were all dying because nobody was touching them, and the touch was more important than being separated from germs.
2: Well, they say that's one of the benefits of vaginal birth: is you get right. all of that exactly. all of that bacteria, the from, bacteria mothers, from the from the
1: which then colonizes the intestines of the child. that if he doesn't get that then the bacteria in the air goes in there and colonizes the skin it's yeah yeah and i heard a folk there was a folk
2: wisdom cure or whatever the remedy you know the the baby's colicky and so what the mother did was took a little of her poo right and they do it in in the baby's
1: mouth yeah a little little bit and stick in his mouth Yeah. yeah yeah so we have this this aversion to you know we think we're sterile and this goes back to the point you made earlier and we were talking about civilization as being you know a diversion a distraction from the reality of mortality we think we're separate from nature. We're ashamed of anything that reminds us that we are natural, like shitting and fucking and puking and snot and all this kind of stuff. Those are all shameful, disgusting things because they remind us that we are, in fact, animals. They puncture this mm, that's, balloon. That's of, the theory of where that shame is from. Well, that's it's, my theory, yeah. Because it, yeah. it's, it's, it reminds us that we're animals, you know? Like, you don't talk about shit in polite company. Well, why the fuck not? Well, you know? uh, this, this this other thing like that we're we're actually not
2: just one thing. We're a That's colony the, we're a system. of all of this other stuff. We're an stuff. ecosystem.
1: Yeah. Right. So we're talking about all this and the more he was talking, I couldn't help seeing the parallels between what he's talking about on a molecular level or, or a, you know, on a cellular level uh, and in health and all that. It is so immediately... Oh, here's a word. Extrapolatable. <laughs> <laughs> so easily extrapolated. Extrapolate I'm extrapolatizing like a motherfucker. Uh, to foreign policy. You know, it's like just a couple days ago they killed the you know Al Qaeda number two. Who gives a shit? It will change nothing. You know, you see this? Oh, we got we got the number two Al Qaeda guy. Like, oh, I guess that war's over now, right? Well, no, it's not over because you you can kill the cells, you can kill the organisms, the parasites, whatever it is. But you're not gonna if you sterilize the environment, you're just killing life. You're not going to solve the problem.
2: Well, and the, and the idea that terrorism is just a thing that's happening for its own—like these people just love terrorizing right. people—it's they, they, like they hate hate this us for our freedom. A, this is a reaction you to some ask. some part of their situation, not right. to not to right. justify it, but just to say, look, reality check. This is what people people resort to terrorism when that's the only way that they can express themselves. Well,
1: well, and they've got no meaning. They've got no hope. They've got... They're not getting laid, which is a big part of Islamic terrorism, I believe. You know, like, what do they think they're going to get? A lot of pussy. Oh, it doesn't matter if I die in this mission. I'm going to have 200 virgins or whatever it is, you know?
2: If we were just... Well, would I, my joke before, it would, during when we, when the Gulf War, the last Gulf War, the Iraq thing was started up, was instead of installing democracy, we should be installing air conditioning. We should be installing air conditioning and dropping um, porn and toilet paper and, <laughs> and then saying, this is who you can thank for this. That's and right. then we would be, we, it, yeah,
1: the red, white, and blue. we <laughs> Bringing freedom to the it's true I mean it would have a, an interesting cultural effect but you know he was saying like okay when you know there's a case uh, I interviewed a guy who does fecal transplants mm-hmm. on the podcast I listened Park to that Gators. one
2: because I was trying to talk my neighbor into getting a fecal transplant were you? yeah because she's, she's got some autoimmune kind of stuff going on and she wasn't up for it It's a hard thing to talk people into that haven't heard of it. It's crazy.
1: You know, in the recovery, 30,000 people a year in the U.S. die from C. difficile uh, infestation, which is caused by wiping out the the biome in the gut. And then this horrible shit gets in there. And the
2: ongoing treatment for it is to nuke nuke it with more More antibiotics. antibiotics. Which
1: is our foreign policy. Right? Oh, people are willing to sacrifice their lives to come and fuck us up. Why? We don't ask why. We're just going to go fuck them up. We're going to make them more angry. We're going to blow up more wedding parties in Yemen now. Right? That'll solve
2: it. With drone, this whole idea that drones also are humane. I might get in the one sense they are humane because we're not dying. (laughs) But, But. yeah. The, the, we never bothered to ask the question Like, hey, w- w- how would we feel If some other country was flying Empty planes over the United States And just every once in a while Something would blow up Yeah. And, yeah. Then, and, then, and then they would send us The explanation of, like, this is who we were trying to kill Yeah, and sorry so, about all the cousins No, we're not sorry we just around. You need to just understand That sometimes when we're trying yeah. to kill a guy There's other people next to right. him
1: Right, right, yeah yeah so it's the same mentality anyway this was all triggered by you saying something about world socialism and redistribution of wealth and that's the only way to actually solve the problem and i'm thinking like that really ties in with with what i feel is the essential step to saving humanity as biological humanity if we want if we want to continue to exist as animals as we are we have to stop this trajectory toward you know becoming machines which were already well Mm -hmm. along that road but if we are going to stop it the the essential step is radical reduction in population because nobody ever questions like you know well we need more energy for the growing world well what if the population stopped growing you know, Then we wouldn't need more energy. Then we could stop fucking up the ocean. You know?
2: except, except that our economy, the reason that we have extra stuff is... Growth. growth is, is because of growth. Right. And so you, we got to stop having extra stuff. We got to just use the stuff that we've already got. Well, and we
1: got to if- stop population growth. We got to stop having more and more people. And so I think... This ties in with um, you guarantee basic income. You know about that? I
2: do, but I feel like that's another one of those ideas that's going to be. It's I understand the idea of it, but then in practice, I feel like there's going to be all these unintended consequences because of human nature to try and have more or to game the system or well, to you, trick it out. You can out. have
1: more. It's just that you've got a guaranteed thousand bucks a month or whatever it is depending on the economy right you've got so you don't need to you, if you want to work you can work and this is the way it is in Europe right I mean it's approaching this there are you know if your your tax rates 50 or 60 percent in the UK right you can you can go and work and, and be ambitious and make more money but you're only going to keep 40 percent of you know what you earn above 100 grand a year or whatever right All Right. so if you want to work go work you know more power to you but You know a lot of that you're not going to get in terms of more material income
2: well or the terrible dark side version of it that i'm saying what's going to happen is you know we're going to have this separation between the haves and the have-nots is going to become greater and greater and eventually the have-nots are going to the people at the bottom are going to die out and the next people up from them will be the have-nots and you know there's they're either they're either either we've got to try and make it more fair yeah or Eventually, you know, the the people who don't have jobs are going to stop being able to be people anymore because they
1: won't be able to eat, you know, starve them to death. But that's where we are now. That's where we are now. You're not going to starve to death if you get a thousand bucks a month for life. See, I'm talking about putting a a floor. Everybody Mm -hmm. alive gets the equivalent in their economy of a thousand bucks a month for life. So you can no, and there's no more welfare okay there's no there's no more food stamps so you you're alive you get a thousand bucks a month right mm-hmm. um but if you have a kid you get 800 bucks a month
2: and we can't even we can't even though get to the point where we agree that everybody deserves to have health care
1: well not in america not in a america. lot of most countries yeah. no to that i, long I ago. i've been
2: hearing this idea yeah. more in america
1: Right. Well, they're, they're doing it in northern Europe. They're trying it in Sweden or Norway or in one major city there. And they're sort of looking at it in Switzerland. There was a ballot initiative. I'm not sure if they voted on it yet, but it's picking up steam. So my idea is if we did that, I mean, that's that gets into this question of terrorism, injustice, all this stuff, if everybody alive doesn't need to worry about that like you can get a job but whatever you work you don't work you study you don't study. you've got a thousand bucks a month coming in no matter what but if you have a child you get a little less than that right your child gets something but you also you get less so so you build in an incentive not to have kids so if you don't have kids you get 1500 a month let's say so you so there's an incentive not to have kids so many people have kids for economic security remove that and you 're not forcing people not to have kids there 's no sterilization I, yeah
2: but you but you have to get people to intellectually understand that that 's what 's going on and I feel like I, I feel like we 're already seeing some of the this problem is happening now as we 've got part of our population here in big cities is having more and more kids, and the rational thing for them to do would be to have Less kids because well,
1: but not necessarily because there is an incentive economically. As if we're talking about very low income people, when you have more kids, you get more government money. So the incentive is the opposite. The incentive is for honest, very man. poor people to have more babies because then they, they get more government. Money. I
2: just feel like there's some un- There's some. Unanticipated uh, unintended consequences inside of this thing sure. that that there always are that that could turn out in you know, a fractal way to be explosively problematic yeah. but um, but i 'm ready to try it Well <laughs> you what i 'm doing sure as fuck isn 't working I, I, just to circle back i don 't know when you what you're are you in a time i rush? have to
1: pick up a friend at the airport uh at 1:30. okay so this can literally go on forever
2: <laughs> i mean i don't mind i don't Wait, i don't need to stop talking and ask on this yeah. bitch.
1: <laughs> I so wondered. are we going to co-release this is that what you want to do yeah
2: yeah all right good. that's good for me all right yeah um now, I just derailed myself with that question uh, oh, I was going to go back to the to get a little uh, political insight into our moment in time that we 're having now with this election because when we i can 't remember if I even said this in this conversation, but the thing that I had shown Belinda about Cenk had to do with bernie sanders and and I've, I know so many people who are excited about the idea of having Bernie Sanders as a president, afraid of Donald Trump as a president and sort of like Hillary Clinton, really? That's yeah. That's that's our that's who we get if we don't, you know, that's that's our best Very case scenario. Yeah. It's really uninspiring. I mean, like you said you're not going to vote. I mean, I'm going to vote. I mean, I'm going to vote in this primary. I mean, I I just I feel like I like a lot of Bernie's ideas and then, and then I you know I suppose there's the unintended unanticipated consequences of trying to implement his yeah. socialist ideas but
1: well, but there are unintended consequences no matter what, no matter, you know, like you're saying, if we step in that direction, there are going to be right. unanticipated consequences. But yeah, if you step in the other direction, there will be, too. So you got to step in some direction, you know, I, what the funny thing to me is
2: I, I sometimes I've said in conversations with people, hey, Donald Trump might get elected and he might actually be the president that gets us all Killed. Socialized medicine. Oh. No, he could be, well, he could get us all killed. <laughs> I mean, it's not going to be a great time as an American to travel somewhere else when that guy's president. I mean, we're, we're, let's just put it this way. Uh-huh. Maybe time to give your passport
1: a rest. Yeah. Yeah. Put, a, put that Canadian flag on your backpack.
2: Uh, yeah. Well, when, well, and then when, when Canada says, like, no thanks to Americans, that's when you go to Canada and they're yeah. mad at you, that's when you really realize something's going on.
1: Canada's weird. tough. I mean, crossing the border into Canada. Is, uh, well,
2: they've gotten tougher because we got tougher on them. Mm. And that, and now, yeah, no, they're tricky. I got detained once when I was going up there to work at a comedy club. And, you know, there's you don't have a work permit. And then it's like, well, I didn't know I had to have a work permit or I don't think I need a work permit. And there, there had to be a lot of going back and forth between my representation here and the club manager. And you're like and sitting in a room somewhere? And I'm sitting in a room missing a connecting flight because they needed to find the the guy, the Canadian customs guy was very helpful to try and find I mean he wants to be able to let me in to go to this comedy right. gig but he says you know you don't have a work permit and I don't think I, I can't just let you in right and until finally they Bored down, or they got someone at the comedy club who could cite the chapter and verse of the regulation that says because it's this type of a venue, which is a bar with food, and so the cabaret part is not the main thing, so he's allowed to come here and work even yeah. though he doesn't have a work permit because of this loophole. Once he could find that in the regulations, and then he said, look, print this out and bring it with you the next time you come Right. because this is what they need to know to get in. Yeah, Canada, Canada
1: can be... I was, I was going to Vancouver a couple of years ago and we wanted to spend six months up there. Right. We had all our stuff in the car and, uh-huh. and so at the border, um, I said to the guy, you know, we'd like to get a visa. And he said, well, you don't need a visa if you know, you're American, she's European. And I said, uh, I said, yeah, but you know, I think I, we'd like a visa just cause I'm going to be coming and going and. You know, I, don't, I don't want there to be any confusion, whatever. So, okay, so go wait over there. And uh, so we're sitting there waiting, and, and he, he asked some questions, you know, have you ever been convicted of a crime and blah, 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 a terrorist organization whatever? And then he calls me up, and he says, uh, yeah, is there anything you want to tell me? And I said, what do you oh, mean? no, he found something? Yeah. Oh, is this the candy bar store? Yeah. Oh. He's like, Fairbanks, 1983, And I was like, what? Really? What? Yeah, this candy bar bullshit, the Snickers bar. And he's like, you know, and I, and I, I was laughing. And I was like, dude, you know, that was in 1980. Yeah, like the guy, the judge told me that would be off my record if I didn't get in trouble again for a year. And he's like, well, it's not off your record. It's, you know. And he said, we get your FBI records. So... You know because I told him like I've been saying no to that question my whole life you know have you ever been convicted and I have I wasn't convicted of a crime and he said well according to your FBI record you are you were and you've lied to an immigration official I can borrow you from Canada for life and I was like Jesus he said I'm not going to but I'm just telling you when you come to Canada say yes 'Cause otherwise if it weren't me, they could just stamp your passport it or, you know, make a note in your file. You'd never get in here. Except really that's
2: that's the solution. That's that's what technology and computers and information sharing has brought us to the point where i actually have to tell you something's not true because the internet said it's true like some computer made a mistake and i the human being has to know that i need to lie to make the computer seem right because we you don't have a way to go in and delete that universally globally around the world
1: list imagine if you're on the no fly list you're fucked my friend was on
2: the no fly list for a little while and he was You know, not super famous actor, but a famous actor for a well
1: known part in a movie. Really? And
2: they would flag him and take him to the other room all the time to talk to him for a half an like hour.
1: someone that they would know that's him by looking Not at everybody him? would know, but a, but lot, they could of Google would, him a lot of people would of Yes, yeah. yes.
2: Yeah. But he had the same name that was oh. on the no fly list, and so he was also on the no fly list. And, yeah. and he, oh.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well,. Yeah, I love that movie Brazil. You ever watch that movie? Yes. Terry Gilliam. Robert it says De Niro. "tattle, tattle, a battle." <laughs> yeah, there's a mistake, right? Yeah, yeah. And Robert De Niro's the like terrorist plumber. Yeah. Remember, he'll like come in and do your plumbing without permission. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's one of the he great movies it out, Yeah, and then he ziplines away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love that. Point. I uh, speaking of Terry Gilliam. I I was watching a documentary recently about George Harrison, and I did not know that George Harrison financed um, the life of Brian. Did you know that? I didn't know that either. Crazy, yeah. Terry Gilliam was friends with George Harrison, and they had a, a company was financing the production, and they had like they had the sets in Morocco. I think they shot it.
2: But it's also a Brit. It was it was a British sketch TV show. I mean, the Monty Python guys would have been known to everyone in England. I mean, yeah. they were certainly known to a lot of people in America yeah. at the time, yeah. but he, he, George Harrison so the, failed him f- The
1: financier. Yeah. He, he bailed at the last minute because, you know, he'd finally gotten around to reading the screenplay and it's like, Oh, they're making fun of Jesus. No. <laughs> yeah, wait a minute. This is sacrilegious. <laughs> yeah. So, so suddenly they were like deep into production and like, there was no money. And Terry Gilliam mentioned it to George Harrison, and George Harrison was like, don't worry, mate, you know, we got you covered. And it was like $5 million, which, you know, was money in those days. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, so George Harrison, like Mr. You know, om Money bad me Om, paid for the, <laughs> one of the most sacrilegious movies ever. And
2: Terry Gilliam wrote, I'll get by with a little help from my friends. No. No, 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 it just seemed believable <laughs> after that story. Like then he they pays him back by giving him that song. <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Here yeah. comes the sun. He wrote,
2: "Here comes the sun." No, but that's yeah. not about the the, the situation. Like, oh, I just, oh, that's yeah, see, that's what yeah. I'm saying. It's, oh, a, it's oh, a song oh, about oh, the thing that just yeah, happened.
1: Yeah, yeah. See, that's why you're that's why you're who you are. And I'm well, not. <laughs>
2: even a blind pig finds an acorn every once in a while. That was one of my dad's sings
1: did he really say that?
2: My father? Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's you know, it's a, it's a thing that a lot of people said, but my father used to say it.
1: It's a funny thing to say because pigs don't look for acorns with their eyes. No, they don't. They smell them. So especially a blind pig would find acorns because his sense of smell would be even more acute.
2: I think that saying was probably originated by farmers who weren't doing a lot of thinking things through. And they were just saying (laughs) things to make a point. And it's like (laughs) the other farmer would never go, you know, they don't actually find. The pigs, like truffles, the thing that they're known for finding is because of their sense of smell. Pigs have a better sense of smell than
1: dogs. Great sense of smell. Smell, yeah. I mean, if you ever have like a a pig, a drug sniffing pig at the airport, you know, you got to watch your shit. You got to be that's when you really got to be careful, yeah, because they'll they'll nail you. A friend of my aunt has a pig living at her house, Bill the pig. Is it a squatter, or is this a pig
2: that she's chosen to bring into the home?
1: Uh, yeah, her son who used to live there had the pig. I think it was his girlfriend's or something. I don't remember how the pig arrived. My, that's my girlfriend's pig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a strange animal. It's very friendly, you know. When Pigs you walk by, to be friendly it's like, and rah, rah, rah. smart, right? Yeah. But yeah, I have trouble relating to it. I, I'm, I don't know. Maybe I just haven't seen yeah, enough Yeah, I'm not time a big fan of pigs. pigs. They just don't
2: seem... I, I mean, I, I'm, I've had cats and dogs, but I'm not a big pet person. I'm not an mm. animal... I mean, I'm not a germaphobe person, so but it just feels, feels like, like you
1: now no, I'm starting to wonder, you don't like well, I don't animals. Ha- I don't hate, I
2: don't ha- No, Well, I don't, I wouldn't say that I don't like them, but I don't want to live with one. And maybe that's also because I kind of can't, I'm a little bit allergic oh. and because of the traveling, oh, yeah, yeah. I had a cat that I think went insane because I was gone a lot of the time right. and, and she would be on her own, yeah. not, you know, just for like three, four days, She'd piss in your bed. No, she wouldn't do that. But friends would come. I'd I'd have friends come over to hang out with her, to you know, make sure that the food, you know, she wouldn't run out of food, and the litter box was okay, and to hang out. You know, come over. Can you just come over and read and hang out with the cat? Mm -hmm. And the cat would like hiss at them or growl at them or pick fights (laughs) with them. It's like, look, I'm trying to do. You know, you can't explain
1: to an animal like I'm doing you a favor. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I, I one of my cats died yesterday. Mojo, how can you have cats? You're on the go. You're you're a jet-setting yeah, global. Yeah, well, th- I haven't seen this cat in a couple of years. Uh, I tell I, you, I, lives, it lives at your parents' house. St- no, with the the cat actually was in Holland. Uh, a friend. You know, when we left, my ex took our three cats. That's a good relationship with your ex when she takes your three cats. Three cats. cats. Have three cats. She did, yeah. did she have cats to begin with? No. So no. she went from zero cats to cat lady. To three kids. Well, and two kids and a husband, yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. So they, they took the cats. One of them died, and then uh, the other one went to her mother, and then the other one went to a friend who then moved to Holland. So the cat was in Holland, and I just got an email from him saying that Mojo had, um, you know... He bit the dust, as they say. Yeah. These cats don't like. Well, they don't last, they're... They're. they're I think they should... You know, you've heard Sarah Silverman's thing about how she, you know, wanted to adopt terminally ill children because it's too much trouble to that's have for That's a commitment so that she long. could make, yeah. I think they should, you know, breed breed short-lived animals. Like, because I would love to have a cat that, like, had a three-year life expectancy. Well, what you want is a hamster. We had a hamster. No, I don't want, I want a want. fucking rodent, man. I, I want a no, cat... No, I hear you. I want a you cat... Don't. It's like a kitten for two years and then a cat for a year and then dead. Because that's, I, I, I can commit to three but years. But sudden, like it just shuts down, or do you want to? Cause
2: no, I don't want it to that's be that's the problem, like your legs of a dragon six months ago. going around. to the vet no, and then no, that no, guilt no. trip about, no. Like, no oh, yeah.
1: like dead, like sudden death, you know? Mm-hmm. And it would be good if it could be sort of programmed. Like, you know, November 14th. You want a digital pet. You want some kind yeah, of a digital, digital pet. pet. This I, is the thing: I, is I I you're know.
2: fighting back against technology. But when we get downloaded into the matrix, this is going to be a thing that you can. And you
1: should have, have an app on your phone where you can say, like, okay, you know, I'm, I got to go somewhere in November, so can we just end this cat thing in late October? Pause it. You just pause the cat. <laughs> cat pause. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's true. And it's a funny thing. You <laughs> go
2: over to somebody's house and there's just a dog kind of in mid-stride. Yeah, we pa- a we're squally. pausing because we're going to Hawaii. Hey, don't
1: shit there. Pause, hit pause, hit pause. Oh, my God. Take him outside. Take him outside. <laughs> <laughs> well, my, I don't know if I told you this story. I've, I've told this story on my podcast before. My father has this uh, golden retriever. Mm-hmm. And. He's had like three or four of them now. This is the lie. He's not a very original thinker, obviously, with a gold retriever. Well, some people, if it works, you know, don't. Well, that's it. Yeah. And they all, whatever. So he has this gold retriever and the, the dog ran away and there was this panic like, oh, my God, where's the dog? And they, they live in a part of L.A. where you don't want a dog running around. It's just streets everywhere. Mm-hmm. And the dog's kind of dumb, so, like, it's not going to cross the street at the corner, you know. So um, they've got signs up, and they're driving around, and they're knocking on everyone's door. And and a few days later, um, the pound calls, and, hey, you know, the shelter, there's this dog, and we think it's your dog. So they go down, there's the dog, oh, my God. And they're so relieved, and my dad and my sister bring it back, and they're in the backyard playing ball with it. And my sister's boyfriend came home, and he looked out the window, and he says to my mother, whose dog are they playing with? And she's like, well, that's, that's Frank's dog. and That's not Frank's dog. So it wasn't their dog.
2: They went and picked up a dog.
1: A golden they- retriever, because they all look alike. The they all look the same, you know?
2: And they had the same temperament. And the dog was they're just like, yeah,
1: I'm same. Bob. I'm Bob. The, the dog was like, hey, thanks. Great. Great to be here. You know, like, oh, ball. Sure. I'll chase your ball. You know, and then in retrospect, because then just they get a call, you know, an hour later, like, hey, we got your dog here. And like, oh, yeah, that's right. No, our, we already have our dog. Our dog had a call or this one doesn't. You know, it's like they're not. So, I mean, that got me thinking like okay so they've got this dog and then of course they take the dog back to the pound and the dog's got to be like what the fuck what did I do Yeah. I chased your fucking ball man but anyway so the question is like what is love what was going on there because they were feeling love for that dog like oh she's back and, and the it- fact that it wasn't her almost doesn't matter
2: well, it goes into this economic situation too, because the disparity of those two dogs' lives is pretty great, and you kind of feel like, look, if if you can have one dog, maybe you can afford to have another dog. Ritz this dog, dog you love, love these two dogs. They're both the, they're the same. They're fucking kind of interchangeable. A dog. So, why don't you just step up and now you got two dogs?
1: So, I mean. You know, and then you take it to another level. You say, "Well, okay, we're going on a three-week vacation." Yeah, I know she's—I know she's your sister, but she's also your twin. And I got confused. <laughs> was a <that> Chinatown.
2: <laughs> it's when you're sleeping with the twin sisters, <laughs> and like we should
1: all be married to each other. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that happens all the time. Uh. <laughs> Does it? But you know, like, okay, let's follow this, let's follow this up, and, and really alienate our audience here. So the you, dog, the dog, you're going on vacation for three weeks to New Zealand, right? You just put your dog down, put the dog, and then down. get a dog from the pound that looks like that dog. And what the fuck does it matter? Well, you're actually saving a dog, right? Who would die otherwise? Well,
2: I, I feel like that's an extreme example that a lot of people would have an argument with. But I mean, the the point of the the, the story I had in my act about this pet hamster is that you know they cost twenty dollars. So when you take the hamster to the vet, what are you what are you doing? You know. <laughs> yeah. Just get another hamster. <laughs> exactly. And uh, not to be compassionless about it, but all animals reach that point in their life where it looks like you can spend as much money as you want at the vet, but this animal is just going to live for another, whether it's a month or six months or However long, it's going to be miserable and yeah. in, the, in the real world that the animal would, would have been done sooner than now. So maybe the, the most merciful thing to do in the big picture of all the animals would be to do exactly what you're saying. To say, look, this, this dog is done and I'm going to immediately go rescue another dog who's at the beginning of its life and is in danger of losing all of those years of its life. Right. I'm going to go get that dog right now.
1: Right. It's sort of a utilitarian approach to pet care. But but and, your idea of, elder care.
2: Your idea of just putting the dog to sleep when you go for, on a trip is a tough I feel like the actual <laughs> reality of trying that is going to be tough all around <laughs> on a family you know I mean <laughs> can you imagine the kid who's used to that exactly. and, then, and then and then goes out to start a life of their own with it's their like, new partner like, hey the let's get a dog sure <laughs> yeah, and then six months later they're going to Paris and like, it's like where's the dog I'm Like I took him in I, you know, it's on my to do list before our trip
1: exactly like, to the, to the the shelter to the what do they call it where they put dogs, the the dog hotel. What are those called?
2: Yeah, to the yeah. Well, the the yeah the border
1: the dog border. No, the border that's not the, the word. The kennel. The kennel. The kennel. Right.
2: You can't even go to a kennel in that Los Angeles. I mean, I suppose there's places. There's there's the terrible version of. This is where your pet goes when you go on vacation, but it's like a prison. It's like the pound. Yeah, yeah, and you no. can't... Really, the reality of trying to take a dog there and then come back and how traumatized your dog who's been <laughs> eating chicken and you're sleeping on your couch is <laughs> <and you're> like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> you took me to Auschwitz for Kill a me week? me next time. <laughs> this was terrible. Why do so, you just put me down? So the reality now of if you're traveling, because when we got married, Belinda, my wife, had a dog. Uh-huh. And we would have to get it taken care of, and and the, and your choices were either the dog hotel where you go there and it's like and they can watch TV, and then they, they each of them has a little a tiny dog, size yeah, well, or, yeah. yeah. or fifty or yeah. fifty, uh, or or for thirty five you can take it to this Hippie lady's apartment that you know you're sure her landlord is happy about it's just the whole floor is covered with dog beds and there's all these dogs and she just is in there watching you know turner classic movies and a pile of dogs for a week well that sounds good to me that's where we took that's where we ended up yeah. taking the dog but then you have yeah. to have interactions with that lady who's yeah. doing your dog a favor and is really nice to your dog so so you like that part of her yeah. but she's insane she's yeah. like I can't you can't be friends with that person Why not? But, she's just too. I think, is there such a thing as too much compassion? <laughs> she's too compassionate. Like, she can't understand she any of the... She makes feel bad about you. Yeah, like sometimes. like the dog. When she's making the dog things to eat that are way... Like, oh, I only gave her this kind of chicken. And, you know, and she also likes... We make homemade popcorn, but I put, uh, you know, duck fat on it. You know, that kind of thing where you're just
1: like, Oh, my God. You're making me look bad to my dog. Yeah, yeah, And then the dog's sort of regretful when you're back with the dog. You can see that look in his eyes like, I miss the. And, and
2: all the pain. things that make your house better than her apartment in terms of the you know, the nicer furniture, that's lost on the dog. The dog doesn't give they a shit. They don't care about that.
1: It doesn't smell as
2: interesting. Like, they would love it if you spilled yeah. bacon fat on all your right. furniture. And they the could dog just dog fat for me. Yeah, they yeah. could just lick the pillow all the time. <laughs> hey, this pillow's got a lot of
1: flavor still in it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I have to take a piss. Right, do you want to wrap this up, or okay. should we pause it? Well, what do you want to do?
2: It's noon. I mean, I okay. feel like it, I think it's a good. We can stop now, but then we're just going to
1: talk more. We are going to talk, and it'll be wasted. <laughs> okay. It's now, like, it's like the thing about podcasting sometimes is it's like I imagine it's like what sex is like for porn stars. Sorry it's like, oh, we're, we're just going to fuck, but there are no cameras? It's kind of like a waste. I Maybe mean, we should wait and turn on the cameras. Well, I I went through
2: a thing where I started to feel guilty when I was asking people to come over to do the podcast. Because comedians, everybody wants everybody to do their podcast all the time. And I sort of get that. But, but on the other hand, it's like, hey, look, if you come over and we do the podcast, then we're going to have a conversation that we're going to try and have it be interesting. So it's actually going to be probably a slightly better conversation than we would have if we weren't doing the podcast. But then there are the things that we, could, we might want to... What, how do you pause it? You just push... Is this one the pause right yeah, here? Yeah. Okay, I'm going to pause it.
1: Press it twice, I think. Working. Yep. Okay. It's back on. Jake Johansson has a fancy toilet, ladies and gentlemen. Do you think fancy? Well, it's got the seashells and the, the toilet
2: seat. See, the toilet seat has got some seashells in yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. We, uh, yeah, I don't know what happened. My wife went for that. I, I, I sort of sent it to her because I thought it was kind of cool, but I thought it was to her going to seem like a joke. You sent her like a link or something? Yeah, yeah. Well, oh, we've, the toilet seat's broken. We need to get a new toilet seat. Oh. And we had one of those ones that was wood. Right. Which are great until. But they do split the, Yeah, the finish kind of wears off a yeah. little bit and then they crack open yeah. and then you can really get a pinch.
1: Right, you get a cheekbutt pinch. Yeah. You
2: know? Or, or oh. other bits. Really? Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't have that happen <laughs> on my
1: home toilet, but that can happen. Yeah. You can get a little. It's embarrassing. Mm, yeah. It is well. Man. I've seen those toilet seats with like barbed wire in them. I thought that was a nice look.
2: I'm, I'm a fan of the toilet seat that's got stuff in it, the, not the money one. I just yeah, had to go to the plumbing place tacky. the other day yeah. to get the, you uh, see that hose thing over there by yeah. the front door? That's the, that's the inside hose from the spray nozzle on the kitchen sink
1: doing home repairs, you're manly.
2: I had to have the plumber come over to, fix, to disconnect it because I couldn't figure out, you know, I was up against the thing of like this, I know what I want to take off, and one end you could just screw it out, and the other end there was a clip, and then you had to pinch a thing, it's like pinch and pull at the same time, and I sort of had a sense of how it was supposed to work, but my experience with fixing things is you don't want to force it, and it wasn't coming apart when I was doing the thing that I thought would work, and then, so pull harder, is usually the man instinct, but uh, the sometimes plumbing fixtures can be like so circumcised just, penises, and okay, you I was don't want
1: to. I was waiting. I was waiting, <laughs> waiting. to get there in there. Was either a, that's what she said in there somewhere. Well, no, or, I was going back. I was trying to circle back around pull, to, the, I to, the, went
2: to the circumcised penis versus the uncircumcised penis yeah. that we were talking about earlier. Yeah. yeah. So, so I had the plumber come out and disconnect it, and then you got to go to the plumbing. Is he place. circumcised? I don't ask anymore. (laughs) Yeah, it's
1: just just such a weird, off-putting thing to a lot of plumbers. Yeah, are you licensed? And are you circumcised? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. just just checking. Yeah, you know, it's probably on his Yelp thing. You can just look it up on Yelp. Fully licensed, circumcised. Circumcised <laughs> plumber.
2: Circumcised. So, yeah, the plumber. The plumber's actually a Kiwi, and I met him before my wife and I got married. He, he I just, anyway, that's the whole, it doesn't really matter. But uh, he now doesn't come. He just answers the phone and sends Jose, uh, who's actually named Jose. Right. And then Jose came, and he disconnected the hose. And then you have to go to the plumbing place, and they look at it. And watching those guys work, because to me, plumbing should be like the thing screws into the other thing and screws into the thing under the bottom but there's a million things and ways that things screw into other things and different kinds of threads and every connector is idiosyncratic and even this model of this particular faucet is going to be next year there may be a whole different thing and so there's just this giant Raiders of the Lost Ark warehouse where all of the different hoses with all of the different connectors are. And so this guy's looking at it and he's like, It looks like a price fister. And the other guy goes, No, I think it's a I think it's a Moen. And then and then they're having these moments of kind of like they're trying to get in touch with some kind of inner lost Tribal knowledge. What's it, what's it called? Where it's where it's some ingrained society
1: memory that gets passed down? Yeah, collective unconscious kind no, of thing. There's a new word for that. A kind Jungian. Of. So you've got a Jungian uh, plumber.
2: Yeah, yeah. And so they eventually, they kind of, it wasn't either one of those. It was uh, Delta, and it was an old Delta. And I wow. don't mean by old. It was 10 years old. It's like, okay, that doesn't seem that old. You're
1: really steeped in this shit. I couldn't name three plumbing companies. Well, this off the just top happened. this
2: I wasn't just named. I'm telling you the story of what happened at member. the place. Oh, yeah. This wow. is just two days ago for me. And so, so then the guy he says, we don't have it. And I said, Well, do you think you can get a part number? And he looks it up because he says it'll take three weeks for us to get it. It'll take three weeks for us to get it. But here it is on he flips the screen around. And he goes, It's here on Amazon, so you can get it. I came home, put the part number into Amazon. Ordered the hose and it was here the next day, like 12 hours later. Yeah. Like, how come it takes the plumbing store three weeks to get it, but I can get it in 12 hours to my house? It's crazy. And it cost $50, so I could have just bought. You know, for what it costs to have the plumber come out, I could have bought a whole faucet. new yeah. thing. But that's yeah.
1: Yeah. beside the. Speaking of Amazon, last time we talked, you were um, looking into setting up an Amazon affiliate link. I did, I did set it Are up. I did set it up. I could in the cash. I'm a little bit. I think I'm not sure how it's
2: paying me. It, it's a, or it's maybe it's waiting to get to a certain amount before it sends me a check or a payment, or if it's maybe it's downloading it into my Amazon.
1: Yeah, you can get like credit. Amazon credits, or they can cut you a check, but you have to pay mm-hmm. extra for that. Yeah, yeah. Or they can deposit it right into your bank account. But everybody, check out Jake Johansson's Amazon link. Where, yeah. where is it? This is you got to
2: explain it to people, right? Yeah. It's on the front page of JakeThis.com on the right hand side. of the It's an Amazon link, and right. I think it's a. I think it's a picture of a GoPro. But you don't. You just click on it. It'll take you to Amazon right. and the GoPro. But then you can. Buy whatever you want, and if you you went through that link, then you can. Then I get a little piece of the cake. Right.
1: I pretty nice piece. It's like eight to seven to ten percent, depending on what kind of thing it is. I don't understand. How can Amazon do it? I think. Or why are they doing it? Amazon loses money, right? That's what they do. They just they expand and lose money, and that's their business model. And Mm -hmm. essentially. At some point, they're going <laughs> to take over the world.
2: Yeah, we wake up and realize that we're owned, it's fully owned late. by them.
1: Yeah. yeah. So they, they're just like taking over the world. And then at that point, they'll cut us off and mm-hmm. say, okay, the gravy train is over, you podcasters. Right. Um, and we're, under our, we're on our own head of everyone else now. out of business. So now we're going to raise our prices and make money. I think that's their plan. But by then, you know, I'll, I'll probably be dead, so who cares?
2: Yeah, well, you can't always take future generations into consideration.
1: Yeah, they're on their own, you know? I mean, if, what do I care? I don't have kids. Well, then... <laughs> <laughs> I'm endearing myself to your audience. No,
2: you're a nice person, but you're heading right down the the path of this is this is exactly. Hey, right. I went, went blowing disposable my pets. This is what we're gonna do. We're we're all gonna die. We're individually mortal. The species is mortal. And really, once my life is finished, I mean, it's good luck. Yeah,
1: and good God luck to bless. y'all. Um, come to the funeral. Mm -hmm. And then you're on your own. Are we going to get reincarnated? Do we get to come back?
2: We get to come back as little tiny bits of other things, right? Just in the biological sense of everything's recycled. And we're all inhaling tiny
1: tidbits of Hitler right now. (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a Mel Brooks musical. Tiny tidbits of Hitler. uh, Who who was circumcised. Mm. No, he wasn't. But he only had one ball. (laughs) I did know the part about his ball. Yeah. Yeah. And he wasn't appreciated as a, an artist, right? He wanted to That's be right. an artist. He got kicked out of art school. He didn't get accepted into the art school that he wanted to go to. You think Donald Trump has a small penis? I think he does. Well,
2: I feel like when you... I, and this is the question is, how rich is he? But we can only... We can't go by any of the numbers that we've got. We can right. just go by the fact that he's had three fairly attractive wives who've been younger than him. So he must have... The reality is he has enough money... To accomplish that because he's not getting those women interested in him based on his personality as far as i've seen i mean it doesn't seem like a guy who i want to be but i mean i'm not so
1: you're saying you wouldn't fuck trump is that what what you're talking about
2: it's i feel like i gotta how much money are we
1: doing (laughs) (laughs) i saw this guy in the airport where was it I was flying I think it was in LAX actually and he had a t-shirt on that said I'm not gay but $20 is $20 <laughs> <laughs> and I actually took his picture and then chatted with him for a while I said are you gay he's like no no and, it's, and he said honestly I didn't even realize I was wearing the shirt until people started laughing you know it was my last clean t-shirt and a friend gave it to me and I, I like, he was Australian." he's like, yeah, people seem to really be uh, amused by this. My last clean T-shirt. Yeah.
2: Yeah. It's probably a good idea to go through your closet and find out which one is your last clean T-shirt <laughs> and maybe take that one to the Goodwill.
1: Yeah. Well, or not. I have a T-shirt that I sometimes wear that I don't realize because I don't attention I get up and put on a shirt and leave you know I mean I don't
2: you're not even making a little bit of a decision
1: about this is what I'm going to do no. today and This is the shirt I want to do it in I mean you know if I'm going to a party or something but most I like I go for weeks without looking in the mirror I, I'm completely oblivious you have to try not to look in the mirror though there's mirrors everywhere your hair looks
2: great for not having looked in the mirror. I mean, it's, it's. I
1: haven't used shampoo in 20 years. I'm done with shampoo, too. That's interesting. It's, it's we have joke. that in common. It is a joke. And soap. I don't use soap. I don't stink. I mean, whatever. I, I use a little bit take? of soap. Because we're <laughs> well, friends. You would tell me, right? I was in
2: for the hug earlier, but now I'm trying to flashback. <laughs> you know, it was over quick enough. I mean, you don't smell bad enough that during the hug that we had when we first got here, I, I noticed. Like that. there's I no like, residue. Oh, Chris You're not noticing a, a yeah.
1: lingering. Uh, no. Uh, that's good. Did you use laundry detergent? Uh, yeah. 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 Well, yeah. you have to. Yeah, we use, uh, you know, non-perfume, you know, clear, echo, bullshit detergent. It's it's interesting
2: because at Costco, where I buy my laundry detergent, they give you the choice. You can either have the eco-friendly detergent, which is, you know, when it goes into the ground, it dissipates its phosphates or whatever. It doesn't have that. Or you can have the unscented, but you can't get both. So in other words, in so other words it's
1: scented, it's ecological, eco fri-
2: it's eco-friendly, but it leaves the clothes smelling lavendery or whatever. Uh. And then the other one that doesn't have scent in it, that's not eco-friendly. So it's kind of a Hobson's choice, isn't it? Well, and I had a, it was a big conversation with my wife about the you got the wrong detergent. And I said, well, these, these, this is the choice they have. Yeah. And so uh, it turns out I did
1: get the right detergent. Which one you got? Eco-friendly, the echo. eco-friendly with a little bit. She of She prefers a little lavender. Uh, yeah she 'd like no smell She'd yeah like no well, smell. But me too me too i 'm all about the no smell this is this is really boring though we should, we should you think not so talk yeah well, I feel detergent.
2: like let 's talk about smells um, do you have you ever gone through a life uh, period in your life where you did cologne no really because we 're the same age, and I, there wasn 't that period you didn 't have that period in your twenties where everybody was putting on like maybe not cologne no. but like after shavy kind of
1: no but see i skipped my 20s i was i was out backpacking in asia for most of my 20s right. and early 30s so i like i missed are big swaths of american popular culture like you know caddyshack never saw it you know you know there are all these movies that everybody saw and and mm-hmm. music everybody was into and you know, cologne, and cocaine, and like things that were of that period that I just wasn't here. Cocaine is back. Well, I heard this song. Okay, I'm in L.A. I'm driving around, as one does in L.A., and I'm listening mm-hmm. to the radio. I never listen to the radio at home, right? I do now, because I have a daughter. So I you- listen to NPR, but yeah. I mean, like, I'm scanning the radio, so I'm hearing classic hits. Oh, and- I happen to see your tweet about this, right? Oh, the, I, can't I can't feel, feel my, my face when, when I'm with you. you. Right, yeah. so people wrote back, because I was confused, like, what the fuck is that song about? It's and some cult. people say it's about cocaine. It's yeah. a song written to cocaine. That's weird. It is weird because it's
2: sort of catchy. But then when you find out what it's about, it's like, this song is creepy and this person is creepy.
1: Yeah. But I like it. But I like it. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Mm. Can't help it. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. So, but we're starting to smell. I I got together with a friend of mine uh, a couple of weeks ago, old friend. And uh, we were traveling a little bit in southern Spain and he stinks so bad that i I, as a friend i I told him like dude you reek like you have to i will not spend another hour in the car with you if you don't take a shower and we actually had a a bit of a showdown at breakfast where i was like no i'm not kidding he was like i don't smell or he He was like like, oh come on relax it doesn't matter and i was like it does matter It doesn't matter, man. There's a cloud of stench around you, you know, and it's a thing that has it's a part of his personality that was always there, which used to be charming uh, because it was a minor thing, you know, where he was just like a devil may care sort of guy. And but now it's expanded to this sense of like the world needs to just accept me as I am, including my incredibly stinky feet and the fact that I want to smoke wherever I want to smoke and it's everyone else's problem but doesn't he it's like haven't you does he love it when he's around other smelly people I don't think he smells them because he smokes constantly and he stinks so bad himself I don't think oh his smeller is
2: broken he's broken his
1: own smeller right but he knows he stinks I mean other people tell him that but he doesn't give a shit other people have said, oh. you've got to take a shower. And oh, he yeah. just doesn't he's like, do yeah, it's yeah. You, know, you need to relax. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, I feel like that. I can't deal with that. I can't. Yeah, can't. No. Was it just body odor? Or was there ass mixed in? Because that's the combo. Well, it's hard to tell thing. the
1: difference once it all gets intermingled. Yeah, yeah. And that's another. Well, he's got digestive issues as well. And I, I mean, I don't want to. You know, bad mouth. He sounds friend.
2: like a great friend.
1: He's a really interesting guy. And, and uh, you know, he, we've been friends for a long time. But, you know, there is a I, we, we got into this thing and, and it was like uh, at one point he said something um, like we were talking about political correctness in America and how everybody's so easily offended. And, you know, and he said, yeah, that's like the whole smoking thing. I said, "What do you mean?" He said, "Yeah, yeah, you can't smoke in schools. You can't smoke in the bar. You can't smoke in the train." And it's all bullshit. And I was like, "Well, wait a minute. That's not bullshit. That's not bullshit. I don't want to breathe your fucking smoke, you know?" Yeah, I don't either. He's like, "Wow, you know." So it's just this. It was this quality when he was younger that, as I say, was sort of charming because he was like you know uh shameless and and like yeah whatever you know Mm -hmm. i am what i am and you know which is good in a limited you know a dollop of that works but it has spread in his personality to a point where he's kind of obnoxious now he's like a super mad cranky old guy who stinks who smells and then wants you to just shut up and deal with it what's the great thing about him all uh, well, that I've known I him mean, for 30 got, years. Yeah,
2: but there's <laughs> got to be some. There's got to be. And then he always gives you $20 when you see him.
1: Uh no, he's he's funny and he's sweet and he's kind and he's, <laughs> he know.
2: makes his own ice
1: cream. It's weird to eat his ice cream though, because he smells terrible. <laughs> <laughs> so, new, but have you heard about this ice cream they're making out of like uh, human milk? <laughs> <laughs> Lactating. No. Isn't it no. weird? I mean disgust oh is a really
2: weird thing since we're talking about it. I'm not disgusted by it by that.
1: We by what? By, by human, human milk. milk ice cream. Human
2: milk I So it's just as a weird thing. I remember when our daughter was little. Yeah. You know, and then a thing that a thing that you do when you're nursing a kid is you'll you'll have to milk yourself right. you know women will or, or they they have a pump right a breast pump that right. will take some of the milk off right. so that then you have it for the right. kid later so my dad one time asked me if if i had ever tasted breast milk right and i said yeah and then he said uh you mean in the fridge and i was like do you what do you want to know the answer to this question? Like, you don't ask me the question. No, that's not how I tasted it. All right. Now what? All right. <laughs> Dad. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, that great scene at the end of uh, the, the, uh, the book was "The Grapes of Wrath." Remember that? I don't remember it. The "Grapes of Wrath." Uh, who wrote "The Grapes of Wrath"? The guy who lived in Cannery Row and John Steinbeck. John Steinbeck. Right great book about social change Uh and the depression and all that. The final scene is a woman breastfeeding an old man. Is it in the movie? I I didn't see the movie, but I'm a book guy. You know I get it. Do I look like a guy who skips the book to watch the movie? Am I that guy? Hell no. I didn't know that you were the guy who would, because
2: he read the famous book that the iconic movie was made, uh, 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 then you wouldn't see the movie. like... I don't need to see the movie,
1: but well, I would see it was
2: a, it was a, it's it black and something. white. Who's got time? Yeah. Yeah. We don't have time. Don't anyway, have time. there's time. there's breast milk ice cream now. Breast milk ice cream, breast milk cheese, and is it for babies? No, I mean, who's it for? It's for who us, wants that? for guys is like, like is you that. And what me? We want what We want some of that. Hey, what do you say? I got the game on. You want to come <laughs> over? Have a little breast milk got ice some cream, cheese,
1: triscuits, and breast milk cheese. You don't you know, tell people ahead of time. You like that cheese? <laughs> <laughs> well, but it is funny, right? That that like, like cause my wife loves. It would be super f- funny
2: if it had a picture of the lady on the
1: <laughs> on the carton. That's right. And you can get a movie. You uh, can you can like you know download the app of her expressing the milk. Expressing for your cheese. That's a good word. Expressing the milk. Um, squirting. I should have just squirting, said squirting. Just squirting. Uh, uh, Cassie likes goat milk. So we, always, she always, when I go to the store, I always have to get her goat milk. And there's a picture of a goat on the thing. I've never seen the goat milk. Oh, I've it's had at goat Whole I've got to get some goat food. there's goat milk everywhere. And, you know, and she, she's, apparently it's easier to digest and it's, I don't know what. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm disgusted by it. But here I just poured your cow milk, I assume that's cow milk, yep, that's into cow milk. my coffee without a second thought. Why is one disgusting? It's coming out of the udder of a goat or the udder of a you're cow. Discuss,
2: you're not disgusting because of the flavor. You're
1: disgusting no, because it's coming the idea, out of No, just the idea, the concept. It freaks me out. Or, you know, breast milk. Like, that's the most natural food for a human being to, to digest. And yet, it's like, oh, it oh, gives me the heebie-jeebies. What, how, it's so fucked up how culture shapes our perceptions of things in ways that, you know, we have very little control over.
2: Yeah, well, it's, it, we've got these Well, the, the preconceived notion your, your initial gut reaction to it Is, yeah, it comes from some place It's coming from some place that's not you
1: Well, and I, You know, like, like well, but there's, there's definitely right? right, but there's definitely cultures where it's Or like, even if it know, does yeah. come from you Like right now, you're swallowing saliva But spit that out into a glass and then drink it That's fucking disgusting Well, why? it was in my mouth a second ago and it's now it's good. disgusting it's, you know what i've found
2: about my saliva chris or should i say dr chris is when i spit it into a cup it loses and then i drink it later it loses something it's
1: not as good it goes it's flat not as good
2: but now when i'm just drinking it while i'm talking to you and i'm just like letting the saliva just
1: go down my it's throat fresh i'm loving it yeah. i'm loving it i'm savoring it i mean think about it mucus it's in your body It's like great The minute it's outside Of your body Suddenly it's the Grossest thing in the world Right If you sneezed A big one into your hand And then just ate it I have a friend Who does that Oh man He'll like He picks his nose And eats it Yeah
2: Oh god This is the kind of Comedian conversations you, So after the comedy show You're often Sitting around With the the other comedians and some staff at the comedy club yeah. having a conversation about something so one time in one of those conversations one of the guys was sharing that uh, what he liked to do was <laughs> I can't even say it and this is so we can say whatever we want look if you're in this far into the podcast
1: yeah you're on um, your own all right let's let's have like we should have a you know Trigger warning. So turn it off now. Trigger alert. <laughs> yeah, it's not. It's not two girls, one cup. Bad. But he would masturbate and then eat it. Yeah, my buddy does that. The, the buddy who eats his snot. Oh my god. And he's like, you know, and we I've I've had this conversation and it's like ah, oh, and he's like, dude, like it came out of my body. Like what? You know what? Yeah, what she, is? What's the issue here?
2: Right, and it's not poop. He wouldn't eat poop. He's not eating poop. Not that I know of. Sure, but we've already talked this about giving a, giving a baby a little. But this little isn't poop. the this isn't the same guy who needs a shower.
1: No, no. Yeah. But it's it's occurring to me that I've got some pretty gross friends. But I want to yeah. see those guys in some kind of in this conversation. Well, they know each other. Uh uh-huh. I mean, they've Yeah. So. Mm-hmm. But see, the the whole eating your own snot and your own cum and all that, that, I mean, like, all right, whatever. That's your thing. That doesn't affect me. hmm But, like, you stink, that affects me. So I have a right. Right. My it hey, live. Let live. I'm just here.
2: saying it seems weird to me, yeah. But if that's what you want to do, then go for it. Although, if you knew that somebody was going to sneeze into their hand and then lick it off, you would be like, <clears> I don't think we can have him over tonight. <laughs> Because the boss is coming over. The boss. (laughs) The boss. The boss. That's such a 50s idea of a a thing. My boss. My boss is coming. Because, I mean, we obviously are in a world where we... I have bosses, but they're not... It's a different boss every week.
1: Yeah. So it's not really a boss. Because you could just say, fuck off. But a lot of people do have bosses. Well, I tweeted about this recently. Like, how how weird it is to hear people refer to their boss. It it sounds... It's like... I, I always see like a, a Far Side, you know, comic or something with dogs saying, "Oh, have you met my owner?" You know, like B- my boss. Like, what a weird seems, thing to say. It almost say. seems
2: like wrong. It almost seems well, it, like, it's, like it's people, we're people. are not slaves. That's what don't I'm have saying. A boss. you're my not. Boss. The, you're not the yeah. boss of me. But this is right. now. We're starting to talk like millennials. You know, <laughs> you're not yeah. my boss. What do you mean? I have to be here at four o'clock? That's when work starts. Right. I'm not. I I, I was late.
1: Well, and also, like, and I haven't... I, I was just talking this morning with uh, my friend on the way to the airport. I haven't had a job where, like, I had an alarm clock that I had to get up every morning and go to work since the 80s. Yeah, me neither. I, but, but I do have to get up routinely to, to, to make a flight or
2: to or go whatever. do a yeah. media thing right, on, right. on the radio. On have the you radio ever radio. taken
1: a urine test to get a job?
2: No. Nope.
1: And that's, like, a common part of American life now. For mm. people who have jobs... They have to pee in a cup.
2: Yeah, well to to just have to think about like like should I smoke this or drink this or eat this because someone else might find out if I did it? It's like, you know, of course I'm scared of my wife, but um, um, Yeah. You know, I no, I don't I, I can't imagine all of that kind of invasion into your privacy. Yeah. Like what what is if, if it doesn't affect what I'm doing at work, then right.
1: what do you, what, how is it your business? Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But in America, that, that, that argument's over, apparently. you know, There are lots of jobs you can't get if you don't pee in the cup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Huh. Strange country, ladies and gentlemen. It's going to get nicer though. We're going to get bathrooms. We're going to get the everybody bathroom. You think we'll solve that? Yeah. Whatever happened with Terry Schiavo? Remember her? That was a big to-do there for a while. That was she was wanted to get unplugged, right? Or yeah. Want, her husband wanted to unplug right. her. I think she did eventually. And like, you know, Bush flew in. He canceled an overseas trip to go to Florida to
2: keep them from unplugging her yeah i don't i, I well, if she's gone i do know that yeah. but i don't remember the exact outcome of that but that but that's another thing that we're just so hung up on worrying about things that are don't need to be our
1: business yeah you know? well and as you say a lot of it is just a concocted diversions from the real issues generally brought up by the right you know to to stop conversation about real things about that's happening. the
2: reality that's the reality of it I mean I'm sure that there's people out there who I know that there's people out there who believe that abortion should be illegal but when these politicians say it what they're doing is just trying to get you to if you're one of those people to vote for them right because they are going to maybe try and make that happen but they're pretty sure that's not going to happen, gonna happen. because not gonna if happen. they did
1: make it happen they wouldn't have that tool anymore to get people excited
2: so, so they so they get you to vote for it right. because they're they they're, they're anti-abortion it gets you to the and then you'll Karl vote for rove them abortion. and then meanwhile with with their other hand or their foot they're standing on your neck right you know right. And economically
1: their hand in your pocket well this is all carl rove you know this this idea of like having all these uh ballot initiatives to you know make marriage defensive marriage between a man and a woman and outlaw right, this right. and that that gets the conservatives to the polls so and it increases while, hey the, while you're at it why don't you vote, vote for this, for this guy? guy exactly and meanwhile carl rove i'm 90 percent convinced is a closeted homosexual Uh, There was some real interesting stuff going on in the Bush administration. You may remember there was a guy in the press conferences who turned out to be a gay escort.
2: Who was pretending to be a reporter. Pretending to
1: be a reporter. And he got, like, White House press passes, which Mm -hmm. is not like, you know, you don't go down to your corner ATM and get a White House press pass No, you have to go to gay bars They sell yeah. them in gay bars <laughs> they sell them in the bathroom Do in the, in the yeah, like, you want a exactly. condom or a White House press pass? <laughs> so, I mean, and Carl Rowe's father Was, was a famous uh, He was on a cover Of a gay uh, piercing magazine Did you know that? <laughs> I don't see how piercings Can be gay Well, penis, penis piercing Right,
2: but straight guys There's not a, look he was gay. He was avowedly yeah, okay, gay. I see.
1: Right, And okay. he was on the cover of a penis pierce, a genital piercing magazine. Yeah. Okay, there's nothing wrong with that.
2: No, I mean, go for it. But you'd think a person who had that kind of close experience with that kind of person in their life would be a little bit more open-minded or, or at least a less vigorously trying to manipulate people with these close-minded right. ideas. right yeah I mean as opposed to kind of the you know the way politics work is oh we got the dirt on Carl Rove. look at his right. It's like I don't care that his dad was that guy. Right. you'd think it would have made him nicer like right. that's that's a real statement about Carl Rove. It's right. like you can have a dad right who who's who's this kind of alternate lifestyle person which means that you're not you're not hating on
1: some foreign person. and he actually had a good relationship with you're his
2: hating dad. on your dad yeah
1: man. yeah mm. there's something real weirdly Freudian going on there and then Cheney with his gay daughter mm-hmm. like, how can you be such an asshole if your daughter or Reagan his the gay son you know like come on and and like AIDS he doesn't mention AIDS for five years and tens of thousands of people are dying it's insane it's insane. Things are going to be different when Trump's in charge. Yeah, things will be better, right? It's going to be weird. <laughs> I
2: mean, just as a, from from the standpoint of, you know, like, look, I don't want aliens to come and take try and take over the planet. And I don't want the zombie apocalypse to happen. And I don't want us to poison our, our environment so that we're living in some kind of dystopic future. But... You know, it's like that Chinese curse, right? May you live in interesting times. If Donald Trump gets elected, we're going to be living in some interesting times. We already
1: are. I mean, you think about, you know, people say, oh, you know, history repeats itself. And, you know, everyone always thinks the end is near. But nobody's ever, like, scientists haven't been saying the end is near Mm. ever before. You know, I mean, there's the the doomsday clock, but that was about nuclear Armageddon. There was... There wasn't like, you know, like, oh, sorry, you know, all the coral reefs in the world are going to be gone in 10 years, you know. Holy fuck, that's a big deal. Well, and and I do, I, I,
2: I do now finally hear people starting to say the thing about, like, it's not ruin the planet. It's make it so that we can't live here anymore. It's like we can ruin the planet as a place where human beings are able to survive. Right. We can make it, we can fuck ourselves right out of business. What is it with pandas? Well, Belinda, my wife, it has this degree from UCLA in, in environmentalism and one of the classes she took they were talking about pandas and pandas one of her professors just hated she said the pandas are the stupidest of course we love them because they're cute but but they're just ill adopted like they, they were a, a bear they were like this carnivorous animal that's adapted now to eat this plant bamboo, bamboo which is not an easy plant to eat with the leaves so their back teeth have turned into these grinding things they got to eat so much of it to survive, that a huge part of their day is doing that. And then when their babies are born, they're like, a, they're, they're like a stick of butter that comes out, that then has to have this kind of like, it's hard, the mortality rate of baby pandas because they're so tiny. And to get out and uh, latch on. They get rolled over on and squished all the time. And our professor was like, Pandas don't deserve to I be. Mean, they don't to like to fuck a, either. You know, right I mean, they're always like,
1: trying to convince them to fuck. Like, if they want to fuck, like, let them die. See out. you later. The pandas, maybe they know something we don't know. Right. Maybe the pandas are just like, We're done. Yeah. It's panda it time seem, pandas time is over. Seem, <laughs> it does sort of seem like the end of the line. Like, who gives a fuck? Like, and also, cute. What, uh, raccoons are cute. Let's just take care of raccoons. If it's all about the eye patch, like, fuck pandas. I don't, I don't get it. Yeah, fuck pandas. Yeah, fuck them. You're with me on that. All yeah. Right. Right. Well,
2: I feel like I'm more fuck polar bears than fuck tigers because they, you know, pandas I don't feel like would have a beef with us. Like if you came across a panda somewhere, you'd yeah. have to go to some pretty probably drastic uh, extremes to get it to attack you. Right. Like you'd have to go over and screw with it. But- I wonder if Rogue is panda bear hunting. That would
0: be. <laughs> <laughs> if if oh,
3: comes
2: I'm back positive, with a stuffed panda. Head. I'm positive that panda hunting is illegal. <laughs> but if anybody could find the place where it's like they, these, they're these uh, feral pandas. They've gotten loose. They're an invasive species, and the pandas are destroying them. The, <laughs> well, that'd be great. We have to call the
1: pandas. <laughs> We're shooting <shouldn't have laughs> them from helicopters. <laughs> Pretty easy to spot, <laughs> uh, but see, I respect tigers and polar bears because they're, respect them. they're they're real animals. They're gangsters.
2: I saw the story on NPR the other day, or heard of the story on NPR the other day, where they, there was the guys who are out tagging. They're putting radio collars on tigers, and they're out checking one of the camera. They've got these
1: yeah, camera cameras track. to
2: see if they yeah. can figure out where they're they're in movement and they've got so they're checking the camera trap and they got to make a ring around the guy who's looking at the camera and everybody else is watching out for tigers and there's another guy it's like alien he's got the he's got the beep 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 screen of like there's a tiger with a radio collar and he's right fucking over there and it comes out of the it comes out of the jungle and attacks one of the tiger protection people while they're checking the trap to maintain this secure habit. Yeah, tigers are just like, I don't give a fuck what you're
1: doing. Where was that? You're just food to me. In India? I think it was in India, yeah. Yeah, There's swamp tigers. It was, it was probably one of the swamp tigers. <laughs> Could be. No, seriously, they're, they're, they're the like worst. They're made up. They're amphibious tigers? <laughs> no, they're, they're, they're in the, they're in, um, I can't remember the name of the swamp area, but it's like near Calcutta and Bangladesh where the, the mm-hmm. marshlands are, and they swim, and like these guys will be out there fishing, and the tigers will come up and hit the flip side the of the boat, flip them out, and then munch them. Yeah. Yeah, they're they're nasty Bengali tigers. tigers. Yeah. Well,
2: that's why we that's that's what originally got us started killing tigers. <laughs> it's, it's like tigers they're are killing, killing us. us. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, sure. I mean, we don't live in a place where when you go outside
1: something can kill you anymore, you know? Get a spider bite on your butt when you, you know, use the outhouse. Mm. Yeah. Have you ever had you've never been attacked by an animal? No, I tried to get a pot. I told you the story about the possum. Oh, came
2: yeah. in the I was trying yeah, to get it out. It gave me a real growl, <laughs> but uh, it wasn't an attack. It was more of that was more of a defensive yeah. thing. The possum. I didn't realize I was attacking the possum
1: until the possum was like, "You fucking <laughs> me! back <laughs> off, <laughs> funny guy." Uh, yeah, I got stung by a scorpion. That was probably my my brush with. Uh, Animal death but can scorpions kill kill you?: Yeah, some of them can and I, I talked to a guy who got stung
2: by a brown recluse, and that is some pretty nasty that's really stuff, bad. you know it, like you it, cra- it kills the, the tissue. They call it? necrotic yeah. it just kills the area around where you get bit yeah and, and uh, he, it happened to be on his upper thigh, so it was kind of close to his business
1: yeah. yeah yeah, that's not good: yeah, no, snakes uh, never been bit by a snake. Uh, I've been stalked by, uh, well, stalked. I was, like, close to grizzly bears. Mm. Uh, I wasn't, I don't know that they were after me, but, yeah. When we
2: were just in the Dominican Republic, we went to one of the activities outside the resort, was you go to this place, and it was called Floating Paradise. That's where the picture I took came Um. from. It's on my Facebook. Um, And they take you out on a boat, and you sit on this kind of floating... Area where you, they've got chairs, and then you can get a snorkel mask and snorkel in this. They've got this net pen where they've got three, um, some kind of sharks in there. But they're the they're they're the nice, then they're, they're, they're fed and they're not going to attack you, but it's about six, eight feet of water, and it's tidal, so the water's going up and down, so you you can swim over the top of these sharks, and at one minute you're eight feet over them, and then all at once the the, the tide changes, and now you're six mm-hmm. feet over them, so, you, so you're on yeah. the surface of the water getting closer and further away from them, and they were in the corner of the the thing. And so they said, you can just don't, don't touch them, but you can go over and and look at them. So I'm getting above them and and they're in the corner facing into the corner and I'm coming over the top of them and I'm getting closer. And there's this moment where you realize that you've been told that they're safe, but you're six feet away from them and you're 30 yards away from where you can get out of the water and you realize if they decide they want to move they have to come up off the bottom to turn and go back the other way because they're penned in the three of them Mm. and so one of them gets up to leave and it gets closer to me and I realize I'm this thing owns me it's not up to me whether I live in this situation if that shark decides he just wants to have a go it's over and it was a real you know It was a a kind of a visceral realization more than any kind of an intellectual thing. It was like, I'm the prey. Oh, I'm the prey. Yeah. That's a weird feeling to have that we don't have, you know, you don't have that in the world. You sort of feel like, I'm just going to walk and get the paper, I'm going to do this, but just to realize that. Take the Volvo down to
1: South Central.
2: Yeah, <laughs> you watch that movie Training Day. There's moments in that movie Training Day where it's just like, oh,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. I just read in the paper yesterday, a guy in L.A. here got robbed and uh, in a park or something. And then the, the thief got in his car and drove away and the guy got in his car and followed him. The guy drove into a, an alley. He followed him into the alley. The thief got out of his car, walked up and shot him like you think you're the predator you think and he and the guy was on the phone with the police he's like i'm following him the guy who robbed me uh, you know i'm here da, da, da. and the police were like sir you know don't follow him we, we'll take everything like, no no i got him just turn it in here and the guy knew he was following him and just popped him oh my god yeah right here and this is like two nights ago and we
2: had a story at my kid's school there was some Cell phones were going missing from the upper grades, like the seventh and eighth graders. And it's our school, and then there's another school that shares the same campus. And you know, anyway, it was it was a weird situation. They couldn't figure out what was going on with these phones. And then one of them was an iPhone. And one of the dads realized, oh, we can find my iPhone. We can find out where it is. So he just gets one of the other dads from our school, and they drive over to Inglewood, and they're like, it's inside. Of this building, I can see it on the screen. That's where that's where my phone is. And they're looking through the window, and they can see their phone. And they knock on the door and have a conversation. There's a bunch of phones in there, and they have a conversation with the person at the door. Says it's not there, and then they got to say, no, it's right there. And and it worked out that they got the phone back and they got out of there. But when this guy's telling me the story, I was like, what the hell are you think? Do you think you're you're magic? Exactly. This is you 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 you're trying to just. Hey, the right thing to do would be to give me back my phone to to people who are stealing phones yeah.
1: and, you know this, these are criminals. What yeah. are you doing yeah yeah crazy, crazy world, man, but there is something invigorating about being prey you know and, yeah. and humans are one of the few animals that can go either way, right? Primates in general can go either way, mm. you know predator or prey. I read a fascinating account of uh It was one of these early British, like Livingston, you know, in Africa. One of these Mm -hmm. guys that explored Africa. Uh, He was attacked by a lion, and he survived it. And he wrote about the experience of having this lion leapt, like was hiding above, and the guy was walking along, and this suddenly this lion leapt on him and grabbed him by the head. Oh, I think that might be Speaks. Richard could, Burton could speaks be. the guy. Could be. Yeah. Oh, Richard Burton was a really interesting guy. Yeah, yeah. Is he it was one of those
2: guys. I think Richard Burton was the guy who they the land, and he's got the spear right through his through his, through his jaw. Cheek. Yeah,
1: yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I, let's go off with Burton, because that's more interesting. Richard Burton was, I don't know if you know Not knows, the
2: actor Richard Burton. This no, is a, this, this is an explorer. he was a
1: linguist. He was an Irish linguist. He spoke 27 languages and ex- lived all over the world. Uh, was posted to India. By the, he was in the British Foreign Service or something in, what, the eight, late 1800s, mid-1800s. Mm-hmm. Um, but he was, he spoke Arabic so well that he dressed up as an Arab and went to Mecca he was the first outsider oh, really? to ever go to mecca imagine if he'd been found out he was he was so amazing he was fascinated by sexuality he was bisexual and he found you know sexuality was one of the most interesting things parts of culture for him so he was I think the first to translate the Kama Sutra into a Western language. Wow, I didn't know that about him. Yeah, and now here's the tragedy. I mean, he studied sexuality all over the world, wherever he was, in North Africa, India, and everything. And when he died, his wife burned his papers. All his papers Did she? Did he tell her to do that? No. No. She was trying to protect his... You know, she was uptight, Victorian Oh, and woman. she was, she
2: thought, oh, I'm doing him a favor by learning right. all this right. sex stuff about him. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I first kind of became aware of him or learned about him when I watched this movie, Mountains of the Moon.
1: Beautiful movie. Yeah. Him and Speaks, trying to yeah. find Livingston, weren't they? Yeah. They're tra- yeah. the source
2: of the Nile. The source of that. the Nile. Yeah. And the guy who plays speaks in that is the guy who plays Sur Jorah Marmot in Game of Thrones, the guy who's now got this zombie disease on his arm with the Khaleesi.
1: Right, right. And the guy who played Burton was sort of a swarthy, dark dark haired Yeah, and I'm not sure
2: where he is, I, uh, but I had recently watched that movie again, and then I recognized that guy. I'd also right. seen that
1: guy, that, the guy. It was a long time ago. That's like 25 yeah, years ago. Yeah, yeah, they're something. in there. He's in his yeah. 20s
2: at that time, and now yeah. he'd be in his 50s or yeah. 60 years old.
1: And have you ever seen a movie called Breaker
2: Morant? Yeah, yeah, I, that's, I can't remember Bruce that one enough.
1: Submarine. For, no, no, it's, it uh. Um, no, it's, it's in, takes place in the Boer War in South okay. Africa on the the uh, the grasslands uh of south africa it's a beautiful movie and i think the actor who played burton plays one of the Always characters in that, in that. It's the, they came out about the same time yeah that's an interesting film uh highly recommended for anyone who wants to know something about the boer war and and south africa Really interesting. The submarine movie Das Boot. Is that what? you Yeah, you're Das Boot. Of? Yeah,
2: maybe that's, that's it. Because those are kind of all of a, of a few year. Yeah, this all part. sort of
1: when was that mid eighties or
2: yeah. something. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I know we're kind of running down. I, you know, what I wanted to ask you about or talk to you about is uh, in Australia. You know, you. When you visit a place or when I visit a place, I like to read about it, and my wife is from New Zealand, so I thought I knew a little bit about Australia because when you go to New Zealand that people talk about australia it 's nearby right. I mean it's, but but the Aboriginal people, the, the native Australians, oh my god i didn 't realize that uh, that they 'd been there for something like fifty sixty thousand years yeah. undisturbed yeah. Um, before the white people showed up two hundred years ago, right. and fifty thousand sixty thousand years doing just their thing, getting along with each other and and the idea that we 've never Ask the question like, hey, what secrets do you think those people know about getting along, surviving? Because there was hundreds of tribes that they yeah. all had to get along with each other and interact and trade and and manage the land and eat yeah. and be happy and 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 so in reading about about the Aboriginal culture, it's hard to find out their traditional wisdom now because they've been so exploited that they're just like, fuck, we're not just going to tell you our secrets now that you're asking our secrets after you've been trying to imprison us and make speak english and do all this other and stuff hunting
1: us down you know,
2: there's a bounty on yeah, just killing Underheads. them, just yeah. Killing yeah. them sure. like as if they were varmints yeah. or something yeah but uh, just reading about reading about uh, the way their ways of interacting and in this there was someone who had written uh, about the aboriginal culture and saying you know if you're just judging by who's got pants and guns they seem primitive but you know, to the outsider. But if you're judging about how people interact and kind of experience being a person and living on the planet, just there's this, I can't remember the aboriginal word for it, but it it, it basically means patient listening. That that there's this meditative ethos of, of just like really trying to consider what's going on and what's the reality and what's the next thing to happen and it and it's such a slow thing that it's that it's they've 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 been exploited and there's some kind of underlying knowledge that they have that I think could be helpful to us as modern people when I was I read Bill Bryson's book about Australia which is a great funny book in a sunburned country Mm. but he does talk about their uninterrupted being there for 50,000 years, and, yeah. the, and the analogy, he said it would be like if you could go to the caves in France, Lascaux, yeah. and you could look at those cave paintings. Where I've
1: been, by the way, in, yeah. in the actual cave. Oh, because yeah. you can't just get in there. Yeah, right? I had an invitation
2: from the French government. Oh, I so, want to hear about that. Yeah. But his yeah. his thing was it would be as if you could stand next to someone who was a descendant of the people who painted those paintings and had and had a cultural memory. like you could hear a story about what
1: that painting meant. Yeah. Although the Lascaux paintings are only about 25,000 years old. So you're talking about double. Yeah, yeah. Double that. Yeah. There's a beautiful book about that Australian Aboriginal culture is called the Songlines. You ever heard of it?
2: I I just yeah, I read it before I went down there, uh, but it's not as it's not like as it? beautiful as people make it out to really? be. Yeah. I think when you revisit that book, oh. it's, he's going down to find out their secrets. And Bruce, he's Chatwin. Got, Bruce Chatwin. Bruce yeah. Chatwin. Yeah, I mean, there is a funny anecdote where he's out and he meets some Aboriginal people and they want to go hunting, and so they go out and they basically they're trying to hit a car with a hit a kangaroo with a car. That's their hunting
1: kangaroo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's pretty. It's
2: it's a, it's sort of a. I, yeah.
1: Anyway. Yeah, I haven't read it since it came out, which I think was the '80s. Yeah, yeah. I had a copy and so I I did read that before huh. I went down. I remember one thing from that book that stuck with me was he was talking. He's talking about travel and how how deeply ingrained in us the movement is. And I remember there's something about you know the reason that when a baby's crying, you pick it up and sort of jiggle it around. Mm-hmm. The reason that's soothing to a baby is that babies evolved on their mother's backs yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. as they walk, mm-hmm. and so there's this rhythmic movement that calms calms babies. And I can remember as a little kid, like, the deepest sleeps of my life were in the back of the station wagon when we were driving somewhere.
2: Oh, yeah, yeah. You know, and well, just Or a train, movement. if you ever traveled Trains on a train. Because yeah. it's, it's rhythm. It's not... The airplane... It's moving, but it's sort of jostly bumping. The train is more than...
1: Yeah, you can feel the movement. And there's something... I don't know. There's something safe about being in motion. You know? Like, I've got this idea of, of getting a van and living in my van part of the time. Like a I, nice van. I
2: have that same fantasy idea. I'll often be either looking at tiny houses online that, that they yeah. build on those trailers. Yeah. Or tricked out to, uh, you know, those Dodge Sprinter vans. or Yeah, exactly. I've got a little a UPS sprinter. truck yeah. idea yeah. that I've... <laughs> but, but, yeah, yeah. To, to get your possessions down mm. to where you could just have that, just the stuff that would fit in there. Right. And to travel around. Yeah. And,
1: well, I've got this idea to get a, a Sprinter van deck it out and um, <clears throat> have a civilized to death logo on one side and tangentially speaking on the other and then when this book comes out do a national podcast book tour mm-hmm. and just drive across the country and like interview interesting people as I go along and have events at universities, promote the book, do the podcast and just sort of you know like a, a Ken Kesey on the road kind yeah, of
2: Yeah, yeah I love it and 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 I feel like I feel like that's going to be one of the next things that you start doing is some kind of public event that's tied either to the podcast or or where you're telling some stories or they're coming to watch you do a podcast and then you tell some of your own stories. Yeah, and I'm not sure how to book. do that,
1: you know? I mean, if it were someone like you who who is famous and brings a crowd and people want to see you in action and whatever. You probably
2: already do have that. You know, Tim Ferriss now is doing live
1: live yeah well, i've been on other people's and like duncan and and i have done live podcasts in san francisco and portland and they're both sold out you know mm-hmm. but i think but he's a comic you know so it's like i i
2: well, feel like I, I i don't i think the part that you're struggling with is the is the promotion and the the production of like where's it going to be and how am i going to get people to show up and i think the reality of what uh, of what is the roadblock for you it would just be like what's going to happen once they say your name and you walk on stage, that's what you have to think up.
1: Well that's I mean, the thing, and, and I, don't, I don't want I, people to get ripped off. No, but, but I'm saying
2: like, it's gonna be easier. You're, you're, you're talking about this, these other things which are which are things that have to be worked out, but those yeah. are all doable. You probably are in touch with enough of an audience that if your goal is to do this band tour and you're making these stops, you're gonna be able to get a hundred people to show up in most places. And, right. and the beauty of what you're talking about is even if 20 people show up, as long as you're holding it in the right place, that's still gonna be, a quality experience for them and probably something that you can get something recorded and then and then you could do your book you know this book that you're already doing of your podcast there could be one that's just about that tour
1: ah right i think
2: that's a great
1: and that's and maybe like a video or some sort of a movie of it
2: well and that and that people know that that's going to be part of look this is what i'm doing this to promote these two things that I am doing but this is also a project an art project that's going to have right. give birth to this thing at the end right yeah i'm going to highly recommend amanda palmer's book the art of asking
1: you, you know i was at ted with her we, oh, really? we spoke at the same ted had lunch together i didn't know who she was i met her in the lunch line i'm standing next to her and she looked at me and smiled and i said i like your eyebrows And she said, oh, I like yours. And I was like, oh, yeah. And then it was like, oh, what are you doing? Oh, I'm going to speak here. And we hung out. I'm Amanda. And she mentioned her husband. Neil Gaiman. Neil. Like, oh, what Neil said. And she's like, I thought, that's kind of weird. She thinks I know who her husband is. Do you know who he is now? Well, now I know. He's this writer, and he's well-known. He's written some pretty great books. Yeah, yeah. I haven't read anything by him, but... Uh, it was Ted was funny that way. I met a lot of people who I didn't know who they were, and then later it's like, oh, that was Peter Singer, the mm-hmm. famous philosopher, you know. And I'm going to give you yeah. one of Neil Gaiman's books right now. It's uh-huh.
2: called American Gods, and you're going to love it. Really? Yes. Right. It's it's great. It's the whole <laughs> premise is that there's all all of the gods of all of the religions are real and they exist, but as people believe in them less, they've got less to do, and so they have to find a place on earth to just. Be themselves <laughs> so They've got all these different personalities. and Is it
1: like a Club Med where they're all hanging?
2: No, out? no. They live, they've just found places where, they, where they're going to live now. And it it's, takes place in America. It's great. Oh, it's, right. it's a, it's a, I found it to be an interesting book. Cool. i got to go okay. to the airport. So that's happening. So there's, there's, uh, there's our podcast. There it we is. We just did it. It's so, did I feel it. like it's pretty long. I think this will easily be the longest one it's pretty long. of mine that I've done. It's two hours and 27 minutes. Very, Very respectable. Uh, when are you going to post it? I'm going to, well, what am I going to do? I'm going to take it off of here and then I'm going to Dropbox it to you. And so soon.
1: All right. Well, let okay. me know and we'll do it together. All right. Let's do All right. it.
2: All right. Thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks. Yeah. You're nice people. You're nice people <laughs> and super patient. Just don't eat your mucus. Well, do what you want, but not in front of us.
1: <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that conversation as much as I did. Thank you to everybody who supports the podcast through patreon.com or fundwhatyoulove.com. On either of which, you can decide how much you want to give the podcast a buck a month, five bucks a month, ten bucks a month, or you can get completely crazy and give twenty bucks a month or more. Or you can give nothing. If you don't have any cash, don't worry about it. Other people are covering your load, so you're going to be good. Just enjoy the podcast and tell your friends. The other way you can support the podcast is. If you buy shit through Amazon.com or you know someone who does, please direct them through the link on my page, chrisryanphd.com. You click on that baby once bookmark the landing page on Amazon, and then 8 to 10% of whatever you spend will come to support the podcast at no extra cost to you or your loved ones. Thank you to Basin and Range for that opening music at the beginning of the podcast. Very funky little tune there uh, called The Bright Side of the Sun, I believe. You can find out more about them at basinandrangeband.com. If you want to talk about the podcast with other listeners, a good place to do that is on Reddit. Just search tangentially speaking all one word there's a community of a couple hundred people in there chatting about the episodes i drop in occasionally and say hello answer questions whatever uh thanks to shore design t-shirts our garage is full of them my mom has them all organized as only she can julie thank you to julie my mom she'll send those t-shirts out to you if you order them everything we've got in stock is from shore design t-shirts in Thailand, and you can check out their webpage as well for other designs. Thank you to Carsey Blanton. You can find out more about Carsey Blanton at carseyblanton.com. dot ncom She wrote and performed the song you're about to hear, which is called Smoke Alarm. And it's a reminder to carpe fucking diem while you still can, because ladies and gentlemen, you're going to die one day. Here's to you, Bennett.
3: He said, Baby, what's a big deal? Feel what you wanna feel. Say what you wanna say. You're gonna die one day. For example, I could kiss you just because I want to. What's the difference if you turn away? I'm gonna die one day.